Well, hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. How is it going? Welcome, 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 one and all, to uh, another edition of the Sea Report. Ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to you a little bit live here. No, no, we're not coming to you a little bit live. I apologize. I was rushing to get here, ladies and gentlemen, simply rushing to get here today. Uh, but uh, yeah, we are not coming to you a little bit live. We are coming to you. Here we go. Let me just get this little. There we go. That's a little bit. No, it's a little bit too far. Okay. I think we're good. All right. We're coming to you very much so live, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, very much so live at this uh, day and this hour. That is um, Wednesday, March. March. Whoa. Okay. Okay, guys. Okay. <laughs> Lord Almighty, as you can see, we've had a pretty busy time in the studio, uh, and uh, we're trying to get ourselves settled into the new digs. I don't know how it looks to you all out there. Hopefully, it is at least somewhat appealing to the eye. As you guys may know, we had a total meltdown. I had a total meltdown yesterday uh, because of this new uh, update that they did to one of my live streaming services that I use here. So I had to do something that was, you know, on par and comparable with uh, keeping it, you know, keeping it on the cheap here in the studios over at the Sea Report. So this is what we came up with. Been busy, busy, busy throughout the day. And then, of course, you're doing an early report for you guys tonight. So I think I finally got my words out straight, ladies and gentlemen. Empress Beach to you says, uh, you're a bit rattled today. Well, yeah, I am a little bit rattled. I... I was trying to get everything ready to go so we could we could get on early at 6 uh 6 p.m. central time to date. So we're much earlier tonight than we have been for the last few nights, but uh that that's the reason why because I was like at the last minute I was trying to get everything nice and organized and centered and subtitle and you'll see guys you'll see I mean maybe the last thing I'll do is maybe add something above my head right up here. Maybe is something that I'm looking at doing. Uh, but I think for now we might stick with these digs. You know, like I said, I had to change it up since after all, they uh, they did that thing to me uh, yesterday with the update on my... And you know, computers these days are made to where if you don't update it, they like start like cutting certain functions on your computer. Like the camera won't turn on or the microphone won't connect. So... It seems like they've made us slaves to uh, their updates. And in, in my personal opinion, because it seems like every time my computer doesn't update, it takes like 30 minutes to an hour for it to occur. So I'm always thinking updates are actually secret hidden back doors, wherein they transfer all of your data somewhere else to spy on it for, you know, 72 hours or so. And that's what they're really doing with these updates. That's what I believe. But anyways, call me paranoid. Or call me a pineapple. You know, it doesn't matter to me. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a brand new edition of The Sea Report. We are live on this Wednesday, April 6, 2022. And we have a pretty good show for you guys today, if I do say so myself. Now, there are, there are several reasons why we needed to get on early today to cover our show, cover the news, sent to submit our report to the American population and to our viewers out there, ladies and gentlemen. 
One of those reasons being of which that uh, at 10 p.m. Central Time tonight, I will be on with uh, the Speak Uneasy. I'll be hanging out over at the bar over at the Speak Uneasy. Wait, hanging out over there with the bartender at the Speak Uneasy Lounge, ladies and gentlemen, or the Speak Uneasy Bar, at the Speak Uneasy's channel. So uh, if you guys are not doing anything around 10 p.m. tonight, Central Time, of course, uh, you can catch another episode of This Is News with myself and the bartender guys, and I'm sure uh, there will be much to uh, laugh about and uh, to just kind of unwind a little bit, Lord knows, you know, uh, after all of this uh, construction, you know, I'm surprised I don't still have, uh, you know, stucco stuck on my head somewhere. Anyways, uh, I might have a little bit of paint. No, just kidding, guys. It's <laughs> it's a digital background. <laughs> It doesn't take a whole lot of stucco glue and caulk to get it done. But, you know, I guess it depends on who you're talking to. Right, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Anyways, hey, Classical Chick, what's going on? Hanging out over there on uh, the Twitcher side today, I see. And uh, we also got Relin on hanging out today. What's up, buddy? Thank you for 117 gold pills. Um, uh, Joyful June, what's going on? Joyful June says, it looks fantastic, looks great, Mr. C. You look like a mainstream media anchorman. Maybe I shouldn't trust you now. Oh, no. Oh, wait, you even said, oh, no. <laughs> Uh, did they infiltrate Mr. C? No, well, I'll tell you what they did is they infiltrated my live stream software, Joyful June. And they put, look at, look, I will, I will show you guys one last time. Look at what they did to me. Look at this XSplit stuff here. Do you see it right here? All this, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's what happened. Okay. So, uh, well, you know, you know, I always, uh, you know, because I do this, I do this, you know, uh, for free, basically, you know, and, uh, uh, well, I mean, yeah, basically, I mean, the reason why I say basically is because we do have generous audience members out there who uh, do donate and who do, uh, you know, um, uh, gift the show and stuff like that. That's why it's basically free. Okay. But hey, this this could be my resume, you know, hey, O-A-N-N, uh, Epoch Times, Project Veritas, you're looking for, uh, no, just kidding. Well, you know, actually, Project Veritas has put out, well, I don't know if it's open anymore, but they did have a, uh, they did have some uh, uh, spots available to work with Project Veritas. I, I considered sending in a resume, but alas, I need transports to get where they need me to go. And I don't think taking public transport would be ideal, especially if we have to do things in a timely manner. And then, of I mean, of course, you know, riding on public transport, they force you to wear the mask still, right? Hopefully that'll go soon. But, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, to be an undercover investigative journalist, I guess the mask would come in handy. No, that wouldn't work either, because, I mean, the minute they typed my name into the searches, they'd see all of these reports. But, hey, OAN, you looking for an anchor? I can be so professional so professional. I can do my own research, right? Put together my own stories. You have 279 episodes worth of, uh, worth of a resume here. Okay. All right. So anyways, anyways, guys. Uh, but yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I understand the concern, Joyful June. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, Classical Chick says she gets these alerts first for some reason. Driving. Well, be safe driving, honey. And and all I can say, Classical Chick, is if you're driving and you can't watch, you can always catch us on the podcast at anchor.fm slash the C Report or just search the C Report or my name, Michael Aaron Caceres. That's two A's in Aaron, two S's in Caceres. And uh, you'll probably be able to find the C Report a whole lot easier that way. It's a lot safer, you know, also if you're jogging, you don't want to be like watching the live stream while you're jogging or on the treadmill or something like that, because that would just be uh, tragic, I'm sure, or it could end tragically anyways. Uh, 123SKG, good afternoon. Hello, Mr. C. She says, I like the red set. Well, you know, this might be, I had a couple of variations that I was thinking about, you know, uh, 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 putting in, but this, 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 you know, this, uh, red set's actually pretty good for my skin tone, I think. No, just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, guys, we can't waste too much time because we got a lot of news to cover. And uh, not only do we have a lot of news to cover, but like I said, uh, I will be off the air and back on the air at 10 p.m. Central Time to uh, do another episode of This Is News with our friend the bartender over at the Speak Uneasy channel. So you guys make sure you don't want to miss that. But... We are also going to do a watch party after today's episode, and I will tell you what that watch party is at the end of today's episode. So stick around, because the watch party that we have um, um, geared up for you guys after this broadcast is going to follow very closely in line with the topic of tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. And the topic of tonight's show... For those of you who might be wondering, happen to be, uh, happens to be, pardon me, grammar, happens to be the topic of election fraud and election integrity, because guess what, guys? I'm finally catching up with all of my tabs, at least the ones on election fraud and election integrity, and I had several, several, several. I had several uh, I had several different stories that I've been meaning to share with you guys. Some of them are a little bit dated. Some of them have gotten washed under a blanket of other news, etc., as it tends to happen. Some of them are rather new and pending, and some of them are just about to blow up in the faces of these uh, miscreants who have done everything they can to defraud the American people, to steal our vote, to steal our country, to install a puppet president, which is almost kind of a joke in terms to people like us, right? Because they've always been puppets. They've been puppets for at least since Kennedy, right? You know, uh, at least since Kennedy. Well, we know they weren't all puppets post-Kennedy, but they had them by the short and curlies as much as they could, that deep state did. You know, I think I think we're very fortunate that presidents like Ronald Reagan did not succumb to any honeypot, uh, you know, pedo blackmail scandals or to the extent of our knowledge we do. When people talk about these uh, these these uh, um, uh, male prostitute scandals that went all the way to the top of the Reagan White House, when people talk about child sex trafficking scandals that went all the way to the top of the White House, we know that they are talking about Vice President George Herbert Walker Bush. They're not talking about Ronald Reagan, and yet a phrase like that turns so many people off to that information because they just cannot stand to think of 
of um, a fact that someone like Ronald Reagan could possibly be involved in that type of a scandal and those types of crimes. Well, I'm willing to bet that uh, Ronald Reagan was not involved in those types of crimes. I am willing to bet that they are specifically referring to George Herbert Walker Bush. And uh, we all know at this point uh, where this man was in regard uh, to all of those types of activities. So, guys, with that said, not all of them have been, you know, puppet presidents. I mean, if they're going to try and assassinate you, they're probably going to try to get you out for a very specific reason. And that reason, of course, more often than not, is because you didn't play the game the way they wanted you to play it, ladies and gentlemen. So anyhow, so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to actually take a trip across the United States today to look at various cases of election fraud and election shenanigans. Okay, it's not just going to be fraud. We're going to be covering the judges who strike down, uh, you know, election integrity laws as being unconstitutional. We're going to look at, uh, you know, the legislatures that uh, don't listen to the thousands of affidavits that their constituents uh, sh share with them or send to them concerning their concerns about election fraud and election integrity, stuff like that. So we're going to kind of be looking at election shenanigans uh, throughout, as well as, uh, as well as diving into a little bit of that election fraud. We're going to get to the heavy stuff towards the end of the show and it's gonna it's gonna probably be a pretty quick show today ladies and gentlemen because i got i really want to share uh i really want to share this documentary with you guys it's it's less than an hour long it's not that long at all and so i figure that we can squeeze that in between the c report and between this is news with the speak uneasy and it should be a pretty good night a pretty good night for uh fighting crime in america right the way that we do it here at the c report and if my if my lapel gets a little crooked, please forgive me. The uh, the metal on this thing is not as strong as... It's not made in America, okay? <laughs> Anyways, guys. Hey, Bubbles. How's it going? Good to see you in the audience. I hope you're having a wonderful evening this afternoon. I hope you're having a wonderful afternoon this evening as well. And Creative Writer, what's up? Thank you for uh, gifting the cookie. Good to see you uh, in the chat room uh, and with a very, very familiar and fond message. Nothing can stop what is coming. Mm hmm. Now you get yourself to a working and a lurking, my friend, and enjoy the rest of the broadcast. Don't forget, you can always tune in to the C Report on podcast if you're just a listening, right? I mean, uh, obviously, this live show excluded, right? Aside from the live show at the moment, but uh, you search that C Report on your favorite podcast player or just head on over to the anchor.fm slash the C Report and you can find our podcast there. All right. With that said, let's go ahead and get ourselves situated with a few words from our president, President Donald John Trump. Ladies and gentlemen, as ever and as always, he leads the show uh, at the C Report. We got uh, I think we just have what do we have with him today? I think we just have. Oh, we have an update. OK, so let's do this update first so you guys can check out what's going on and what is live there. Uh, it looks like we have this announcement as per today, and this is for the Save America rally 
that is happening in North Carolina this Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. So you bet your bottom dollar, you know where we'll be on Saturday here at the C Report and Mr. CTV. We will be uh, sharing that live stream as I'm pretty sure we have nothing else planned for the afternoon. And uh, let's see here. Uh, so it'll be Saturday, April 9th in Selma, North Carolina. This Save America rally is a continuation of President Trump's unprecedented efforts to advance the MAGA agenda by energizing. Let me go ahead and shrink that back a little bit. There we go. That's a little bit too shrunken now. Okay, there we go. I guess that's a little bit better. By energizing voters and highlighting America first candidates and causes. And we're going to skip over this little graphic of President Trump because, uh, well, I guess we're not going to skip it. Hey, there's President Trump. What do you know? Okay. And so uh, here's the, uh, it's an updated list of speakers that we're looking at uh, at the moment. Uh, so we will have President Trump hitting the stage at 7 p.m. Eastern time, which means that will be 6 p.m. Central time, which means we'll probably be on about 4 or 5 p.m. Central time here at Mr. CTV, taking place at the farm at 45 in Selma, North Carolina. Now, here's some newly announced special guest speakers for the event. Uh, we will have Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson and uh, Congressman Dan Bishop. He is the uh, Congressional 9th District Representative there in North Carolina, as well as Congressman Greg Murphy of Maryland. Okay. All right. Well, Greg Murphy of Maryland. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm so stupid. That's medical doctor. <laughs> Wait, no, wait, right? MD? Okay, I see. Okay, okay, okay. Hear me out, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, never mind. Okay, we're just gonna move on. He's he's North Carolina's third congressional district representative. Okay, all right. Uh, we also have Congressman Ted Budd speaking. Um, he is the representative of North Carolina's congressional, uh, 13th congressional district. And uh, he's running for United States Senate for North Carolina. We will also have Congressman Madison Cawthorn speaking. He is North Carolina's 11th Congressional District Representative. Very interesting that will be uh, to have Madison Cawthorn speaking, uh, considering, you know, considering what happened with him and uh, his little... uh, his little, uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, McCarthy was like Cawthorn snitches get stitches, right? Anyways, uh, we'll also have Bo Hines, Bo Hines, uh, running for con- uh, 13th Congressional District. So he's running to take the place of Ted Budd's uh, Congressional District there in North Carolina so that North Carolina's uh, Senate can welcome Ted Budd into their uh, their uh, seat, their hall, their, their place in the building. Anyways, uh, doors open at 2, program begins at 4 p.m. and President Trump is to speak at... 7 p.m. So again, that will be 7 p.m. Central Time, ladies and gentlemen. 7 p.m. I mean, sorry, 6 p.m. Central Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, we will probably be live here at 4 or 5 p.m. on that day. And, uh, well, we'll let you guys know for sure as we get closer to Saturday. I mean, it's already Wednesday. I know, I know. But we'll let you guys know for sure. 
by then what it is that we're looking at. Okay, uh, now, uh, President Trump actually did deliver a little message there, so we are going to uh, fire that up for you guys so you can hear. It's just uh, it's about a minute and a half long, this message President Trump has for the people of North Carolina, but hey, I figured why not share it with the world, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, let's go ahead and see what our president had to say. Hello, North Carolina. This is your favorite president, I hope, Donald Trump. And I'm going to be there on Saturday night in Selma. We're going to have a great time. We're supporting, as you know, Ted Budd. He's running for the Senate. He's going to be a tremendous senator. He's taken the lead now very substantially in the polls, and we're going to get him an even bigger lead. But Ted Budd is a great conservative. He's a great gentleman, a wonderful man. And we look forward to seeing you, Selma. Saturday night. Don't miss it. All right. And there you go. Selma, Saturday night. Don't miss it. Now, I wonder why President Trump put out a little bit of a message there ahead of the game. Um, I mean, uh, North Carolina, they, uh, they're, they're Trump country. They're Trump country, you know. Or, or perhaps he did it for Ted Budd. Uh, could have been either or, but, uh, you know, uh, what can I say? Uh, it's, it's just, it's always good to hear a few words from your president, right? Before, uh, before the main event, isn't it? So, all right. So pushing Ted Bud there and then also reminding everyone to show up for the event on Saturday. Will, where will you be this Saturday? You know, that's the thing about it, guys. Same thing with weekends, right? With uh, As we get closer to the weekends and also with the weekends themselves, now that all of these, these toxic mask mandates, these overreaching tyrannical rules are being repealed left and right in order to, you know, uh, assist the Democrats in a lost cause of a vote on the midterms, uh, everyone's going to be out reclaiming, reclaiming their rights, right? Reclaiming their rights to freedom and enjoying going out with the family, you know, uh, hanging out with friends, uh, having dinner out. Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe people won't be able to do that considering inflation, right? I mean, uh, that's something uh, that could cause that to kind of reverse on itself for them. But, uh, but yeah, you know, People just uh, won't have time for streamers anymore and uh, the news because uh, they have a life to live. But uh, if you are so inclined to be present for a Trump rally, well, we will be here at Mr. CTV on Saturday and uh, we will uh, let you guys know about the time as soon as uh, we figure it out ourselves, right? Okay. All right. Uh, Another statement from President Trump is actually, uh, it appears to be, Appears to be a uh, a letter of congratulations, okay, and, and as well as uh, I would say an endorsement. This is for um, Representative Bob Gibbs, pictured on the screen. No relation whatsoever to uh, John Gibbs, I promise, right? Uh, but uh, President Trump says of Bob Gibbs, I want to congratulate Congressman Bob Gibbs of Ohio on a wonderful and accomplished career. Oh, well, he's endorsing him into retirement, it seems. It says his retirement after serving in Congress for more than a decade should be celebrated by all. He was a strong ally to me and MAGA, voting to support my America First agenda and fighting strongly against the radical left. 
Thank you for your service, Bob. A job well done. Hmm. Interesting. Hey, Bob. Um, did you make a deal, right? <laughs> did you tell President Trump, well, just, you know, give me a fond farewell and I'll sign these documents and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, uh, that's cynical. That's really cynical. Anyways, guys, well, you know, uh, I, I hope that, uh, you know, uh, Congressman Bob Gibbs enjoys his retirement. I'm sure, I'm so sure that uh, perhaps it is, uh, it is well, well, well deserved, ladies and gentlemen. So, all right, let's see what we got next for you guys. Okay, we are going to start our segment on election fraud and shenanigans across America, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we're getting into the main event, or we're getting pretty close to it anyways. <clears throat> like I said, pardon me. You guys know I've had tabs upon tabs upon tabs upon tabs. I'm trying to catch up with. So uh, we're be, we're talking some election uh, election integrity stuff. We're talking some election fraud stuff today. So I was able to get these stories, and I've been wanting to share with you guys. The first story is going to take us to the state of Washington, ladies and gentlemen, and we see that in Washington we are having a situation where, well, you know, no one seems to want to listen to their constituents. Even when they receive in their mailboxes, at their offices, on their doorsteps, thousands and thousands of affidavits about, uh, well, about uh, their constituents being a little bit uh, uncompetent, uncompetent in their elections. Check this out. Uh, over 30,000 notarized lawful affidavits delivered to Washington state officials Governor Inslee's office and other officials refuse service. Now, this is a, what we're talking about, America. Uh, you know, a very, a very good point to really rest on when we're talking about if if you really want to play on party lines, the GOP, for example. Okay, you know, basically when it comes down to it, because you know you hear me saying all the time, 95 to 98% of the Republicans who are in office right now need to go, whether they're at the federal level serving for our U.S. Senate or our U.S. Congress, or if they're at the state level in either houses. 95 to 98% need to go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I mean, and particularly if they've been career politicians, because if they've been career politicians, then they have been part of it this entire time. At this point, I would put anyone in as a career politician who has served more than two terms, ladies and gentlemen. I think... 10 years in politics is enough. And I'm not dumb. I know a term is four years. But what I'm saying is that's 10 years, okay? Basically, you want to round up two more years, that's 10 years. And that is why between, uh, between uh, uh, Clinton and, uh, and Obama, you know, they could do whatever the hell they wanted for two terms and no one would really care once they got a new president because they were so jaded by the administration that they had 
for 10 years, basically, that they were just happy to get a change in office, right? They're just happy to get a, a, a refresher, kind of like we did here at the Sea Report, right? We're just happy to get a fresh new studio, okay? And so, uh, uh, they, you know, who cares? Who cares that, you know, uh, they did this, this, this wicked update on my live streaming services? Who cares that, you know, we had all this fraud and scandal going on in our state houses and in the White House, you know? As long as we get a new... Uh, government in and a new president. It's just, we can, we can live with that. But of course you always had those people in the background that were fighting through litigation and through whistleblowing and through what have you to correct the wrongs of the previous administrations. By the, at that point though, people were just like, who cares? You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it was just part of that crony type of, uh, type of, uh, a government or, you know, type of setup where you have, um, you have this, uh, well, my boss and the supervisor does it, so I'm going to do it, and my supervisor does it, so I'm going to do it, and that supervisor does it, and, and, and just everyone turns their cheek all the way down the pyramid, so to speak. Well, those days are no more. You know, when I used to see stuff like that at school and at work, it always made me feel funny, right? I was always like, I was like, we can do that? I think, but isn't that considered stealing? Well, you know, the boss does it, so, I mean, uh, it's okay. Uh, we're 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 managers, okay? Do you see what I'm saying? So I always always like, are, is what what is wrong with this? this doesn't feel right, okay? Um, it's not right, and it's not okay, okay, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not right, but it is okay, all right. To uh, to borrow a little bit of uh, Coke Whitney's parlance, there, it's not right, but it is okay to say something. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that's where we're getting to in our society as things start to clear up. Am I being too optimistic for some of you people out there? I might be. I might be too optimistic for some of you people out there. Some people, and I'm not talking about those present, but some people are just so mired down in the gunk of cynicism and pessimism that they just cannot see the light of day. Well, you know, those people need to either watch this show more often or they just need to turn it off, okay? <laughs> because we don't do that around here, ladies and gentlemen. We try and be as optimistic and uh, future forward as possible. Anyways, let's look at this article. I think this comes from uh, the Gateway Pundit. Uh, it's, uh, and this was an exclusive. Oh, what's this? Well, oh, you know what this is, ladies and gentlemen? These are all the affidavits. Look at those affidavits. Kind of reminds me about the time that Christina Caramo, you know, the uh, Secretary of State nominee over there, candidate over there in Michigan, delivered a whole bunch of affidavits to uh, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. They got a rubber stamp and no one took care of the matter. I asked her about it when I spoke with her. Anyways, it says here, can you guys see that? Yeah, I think you guys can, right? Uh, okay. It says uh, on Friday, March 4th. Okay. This is a month old guys, but this is still news guys. If you haven't heard about it, the Washington state tea room, a monumental statewide movement attempted to serve Washington state officials with over 30,000 lawful affidavits from the citizens of Washington, demanding an end to all mandates and requesting a forensic audit of Washington, oh, and Christine, a forensic audit of the 2020 election. 
30,000 lawful affidavits, guys, demanding a forensic audit of the 2020 election. Don't let it be said that the people of Washington State don't know what's going on. Don't let it be said that the people of Washington State are not involved in politics or just, you know, out there with Antifers and meth heads and stuff like that. Uh, 30,000 is quite a sizable amount. Speaking to the Gateway Pundit, the founder of Washington State Tea Room, Brianna Matz, said, This recent serving is the first of two in the first phase of our mission. Uh, The excerpt below says the leaders of the Washington State Tea Room are ready to speak on their movement and what they have been putting into play here in Washington State to take the power back for the people of Washington. We have kept it under the radar till now for logistical reasons, but it's time to share the news far and wide. This is both monumental and historical for Washington State and as the largest movement in Washington State, we have very big things to come and crazy momentum. This is the only this is only the beginning and high time for the people of Washington to have their voices heard by our state government who has rejected our constitution a long time ago and who has refused to listen to the people for a very long time. It is time to stand and we are ready. This movement has brought about hope and action in the people all across this state as they have stood in the thousands to join their voices via the sworn and notarized affidavits with countless others from every corner of Washington. And it is the honor of the Washington State Tea Room to take their voices to our government in this first phase of our mission. According to their their news releases, Inslee's office refused to accept service or sign for the documents, as well as the Attorney General Ferguson's office, Jenkins, oh, Attorney General Ferguson's office, Jenkins office, Murray and Cantwell's offices. Only Lieutenant Governor Heck's office signed for the document and took service. So it looks like we have a news release below here. It says, uh, Olympia, Washington, process servers and members of the Washington State Tea Room attempted to serve Governor Jay Inslee, Lieutenant Governor Danny Heck, Speaker of the Washington House of Representative Laura Lori Jenkins, Attorney General Bob Ferguson, and Senators Patty Murray and Maria Cantwell, with over 30,000 lawful affidavits from the citizens of Washington demanding an end to all mandates and requesting a forensic audit of the 2020 election. Guys, Speaker of the House. Oh, it's probably a Democrat speaker. Anyhow, I was like, can you imagine that? Anyways, okay, so uh, days prior to the process, servers uh, made the necessary arrangements to request service and were informed by each state-level elected public servant's office that their offices would be open and would take service of the documents. None of the offices for either Cantwell or Murray would answer their phones or return their calls. Inslee's office refused to accept service or sign for the documents and sent the servers to Attorney General Ferguson's office. Attorney General Ferguson's office refused to sign for the documents and instructed the servers to leave the boxes of documents for the governor and the AG in the foyer. Murray and Cantwell's offices refused to open the doors. Jenkins' office refused to sign for the documents and instructed the boxes be taken back to the mail center to be scanned for bombs and stated the boxes would be delivered by the mail center after they were scanned. Lieutenant Governor Heck's office signed for the documents and took service. 
They did not even respect us enough to come out and speak to us directly, Brianna Matz stated after being met by clerks and security guards at the office which refused service. Each attempt to serve was recorded live. Wowzers, ladies and gentlemen, that is pretty bad, guys. That is pretty bad. Um, well, you know, that, that seems to be on par with a Democrat-run state, you know, and uh, I don't got to play party lines here, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, that's just the way it goes with any crooked elected representative who is not doing the will of their constituents it just so happens, for those of you who, who happen to sit on that side of the line, that at this point in our nation's history, it is the Democrats who are doing this more readily and more obnoxiously and more in the face and more defiantly of what the people want in this country. Anyways, I popped open uh, this right here real quick. This is a Washington State Tea Room. We are circumventing the courts and going directly to the source. Our voices must be heard. We cannot be ignored. Just don't forget, Washington State Tea Room, that uh, we are in a uh, you know constitutional republic, which means you might have to go to the courts eventually. Okay, and uh, let's see. I was, just, I was just curious if they had any uh, any uh, extra or additional information. Since this is a month dated, I figured why not dig into it? Look at, well, why would, why would they send us to their Facebook when they have a website, right? Okay. Let's take a look at their website. Oh, it doesn't seem to be working. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Let's see what's up with these guys. And this is, this is for all my brothers and sisters in Washington state, just in case you guys hadn't heard. Uh, oh, they're under construction. All right. This just in, ladies and gentlemen, the Washington State Tea Room website is coming soon. <laughs> I guess that's why they sent us to uh, their uh, Facebook. Okay. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, let's just go right back. <laughs> oh, Lord. Hey, Aureli Slock, how's it going? Oh, you're not, not too late, sir. We just got started about uh, 30 minutes ago or so. What do you think about the new digs? Uh, okay, so it says here, uh, it's always good to see if they have any, uh, any. Uh, uh, they don't have any notes. Okay, you know, because sometimes people put notes and stuff like that. Okay, it says, uh, all right, everyone, here are consolidated news links for the past month in one place, covering both rounds of events where we served our notarized affidavits. So they got the gateway pundits there. Uh, I guess it's, oh, well, yeah, we did read uh, both of them. So that makes sense. Uh, let's see here what else these guys are up to. Midnight Ride Reminder. This is a movement that belongs to all of us. Make it grow. We share in the responsibility before we share in the glory of having made history happen. Many happen. Many hands make light work. The burden does not just rest on the shoulders of a few waiting for them to get it done. Pick up your pen, your phone, and lend a few minutes of your time to future generations. Turns out pivotal mo moments in the course of human events are usually built by hours of unglamorous and tedious work by many pulling together for a unified cause. This is part of the verb and action and hard work building up to the magical catalytic turning points. Exercise your rights. In this case, contacting your representatives builds a fire. So we say this in love. Be patriots. If you have not honorably voiced your just cause, giving due notice that the wheel of justice is turning and alerted our representatives, 
voted for or installed, it does not matter, make yourselves heard. Then you don't have the right to grumble on chats. We are all having to grow up fast and pull together. Oh, well, that was, uh, that was actually a rather, uh, a rather uh, good note there, if you ask me. Okay, so uh, it doesn't look like they have uh, updates from that time. So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll keep our ears to it and see what we uh, can find out about the Washington State Tea Room. They also have no upcoming events. Okay. All right, guys, that's going to take us right over to the state of Illinois. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? The Speak Uneasy, how you doing? Looking forward to tonight's show, sir. We'll see you about 10 p.m. Central. I will see you, of course, about 15 to 20 minutes prior to. All righty, guys. Oh, and by the way, I saw something on my phone today. Is it your anniversary, sir? Happy anniversary to you and... uh and the wifey there. Uh, Give her my regards, buddy. All right. So let's talk about Illinois. Let's talk about Illinois. Uh, What's going on in the state of Illinois? Um, Oh, well, you know, it's always a good thing when you have the public interest legal foundation involved in a story. Okay. Now, for those of you who do not remember the public interest legal foundation, otherwise known as PILF, This is a legal organization that has come together to focus primarily on litigating and assisting states involved in uh, election uh, fraud, election uh, mismanagement, uh, mismanagement by the state of elections. They really pound it out when it comes to uh, what happens uh, in regards to elections. So, ladies and gentlemen, I got to say... Uh, They are one of my favorite organizations. I mean, it's often said, it's often said, I've heard several times from from viewers and audience members that, uh, you know, they've been giving their money, uh, they've been donating to the Red Cross, and then they found out the Red Cross was like uh, uh, smuggling, uh, you know, uh, Nazis and children and weapons. Uh, Who are they going to give the money to now? I would recommend... Uh, a, a foundation like the Public Interest Legal Foundation, you know, or, or you know, uh, someone like uh, an organization like um, uh, Tom Fitton's outfit. Uh, what is that? Judicial Watch, you know, those guys or, or Project Veritas, you know, those guys are good or OANN, you know, those are those are all uh, those are. all. But, you know, OANN, you know, they're a commercial and type of like, you know, they're a network. Right. But, you know, when you have foundations like, you know, uh, Judicial Watch or Public Interest Legal Foundation at etc. Um, you know, those are those guys, they don't make money uh, just on the cases that they use. And, and usually that's pro bono, you know, usually that's pro bono. Anyways, okay, so let's go ahead and check out what the Public Interest Legal Foundation was doing in the state of Illinois. Uh, I believe this article comes from the Gateway Pundit. Illinois illegally denied elections group access to voter records federal court rules. Hmm. What do you think this is about? Why do you think they're trying to get access to voter records? And why do you think the state of Illinois has denied elections groups this? Usually, usually when a state denies access to anything regarding voter records or voting, you know, um, uh, um, uh, 
stuff as a memoranda. No, just kidding. Uh, to, to other types of records. I mean, you know, because the voter records don't just include, of course, like the voter records for elections, but it also includes, you know, their personal information, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of that stuff. Okay. Not just elections records. Um, and, and that's where my little hang up came from there um, in, in explaining it to you guys. Uh, it's usually because you actually have individuals who are interested in uh, fighting for the integrity of their elections. And you know what? That means, guys, we've got people in Illinois. That's wonderful. Because who would have thunk it, right? Uh, you know, we don't hear too much about these deep blue states. Like we just covered Washington, for example. You know, you don't hear. It's great to hear that in states like Washington, Illinois, and other states that you actually do have people. Michigan, you actually do have people who are fighting for uh, you know, um, election integrity in those states. I just got to say that, you know, uh, but let me go ahead and get this on the screen for you guys so you can check it out. It says uh, a federal court ruled that Illinois violated the National Voter Registration Act when it refused to provide an election integrity group with access to the state's voter roll. Election uh, based PILF, oh, sorry, election officials must also allow citizens to see what they are doing, said J. Christian Adams. I love that name. President of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, the successful plaintiff in the case. Indianapolis-based PILF, the Public Interest uh, um, Legal Foundation, describes itself as the nation's only public interest law firm dedicated wholly to election integrity. The nonprofit organization exists to assist states and others to aid the cause of election integrity and fight against lawlessness in American elections. PILF regularly uses the public disclosure provision of the NVRA, along with state and federal open records laws that require government records be made available to the public. The group stated in the legal complaint filed July 27, 2020 in the Springfield offices of the United States District Court for the Central District of Illinois. Using records and data compiled through these open record laws, PILF analyzes the programs and activities of state and local elections officials in order to determine whether lawful efforts are being made to keep voter rolls current and accurate, the complaint states. The NDRA provides that each state shall maintain for at least two years and shall make available for public inspection and where available photocopying at a reasonable cost all records concerning the implementation of programs and activities conducted for the purposes of ensuring the accuracy and currency of official lists of eligible voters. The complaint cites Project Vote v. Long v. Long, a 2012 decision by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, in stating that the public disclosure provision of the NVRA embodies Congress's conviction that Americans who are eligible under law to vote have every right to exercise their franchise, a right that must not be sacrificed to administrative chicanery oversights or inefficiencies. The ruling in the case that the Public Interest Legal Foundation v. Matthews Court filed 20CV3190 came on March 8th. The defendants are Bernadette Matthews, who was sued in her official capacity as executive director of the Illinois State Board of Elections, the board itself, and two other board officials. 
District Judge Sue Myerskoff, who was appointed by President Barack Obama, found that the defendants acted in violation of the public disclosure provisions of the NBRA when defendants refused to make available for viewing and photocopying the full statewide voter registration list. You know what that means, guys. If they were looking for a voter registration list, they're looking to do a canvas. And that's what that means, okay? I told you there are canvases happening all across the country. It's just, shh, don't tell anyone or else you're going to have situations like we saw in New Mexico happen, right? Where we had the state AG and we had the state SOS. Uh, what's her name? Mary, Mary Toulouse, Mary Toulouse something or other. Uh, sending out messages to uh, sending out messages to the media saying that uh, there are people going around harassing voters and don't answer the door and don't answer questions. We can't tell anyone that we are doing canvases. Be very, very quiet. We are hunting the truth. All right, the article continues. Myerskoff ordered the elections board to implement policies and procedures which makes available to the public the statewide voter registration list, allowing for redaction of telephone numbers, social security numbers, street numbers of home addresses, birth dates, identifiable portions of email addresses, and other highly sensitive personal information. The judge also ordered the defendants to pay PILF its attorney's fees, costs, and expenses. Adams, a former civil rights attorney at the U.S. Department of Justice, said in a statement that he was pleased with the ruling. Federal law allows everyone to see what is going on in elections offices. PILF has found dead and duplicate registrants and voter registered, registered voters registered in multiple states, he said. Voter rolls are public, and the court said so. This is the second ruling this week that the foundation has won to gain access to accurate voter rolls. And accurate voter rolls are essential to free and fair elections. The second ruling which Adams was refer referring to is a March 4th decision by Judge George Z. Single, of the U.S. District Court of, for the District of Maine. The case is Pilf v. Bellows, Court File 20 CV 61. Single, who was appointed by President Bill Clinton, refused a request by Maine Secretary of State Shenna Bellows, a Democrat, to dismiss Pilf's lawsuit seeking access to state voter registration. So they're looking to do canvases in Maine as well. After several demands for the data... Bellows informed PILF in February 2020 that she lacked legal authority to release voter files to the group. PILF sued, seeking declaratory and injunctive relief under the NVRA. In the, in the course of the litigation, Maine enacted a new law limiting the use and dissemination of voter data. Oh, man. So Maine is a crooked state. Who would a thunk it? Okay, we, we probably could have guessed it. You know, ain't nothing quite as fresh in the state of Maine as that derriere up there, right? Okay, anyway, that's a Stephen King joke. Anyways, okay. But uh, Single found that Pilf, Pilf's plausible plausibly alleges a violation of the NVRA by Maine and throughout the state's motion to dismiss. Adams expressed optimism about the eventual outcome of the Maine case. This case is about transparency and the public's right to know about vulnerabilities in our elections, Adams said. 
the court adopted our interpretation of the National Voter Registration Act and strengthened our rights to ensure the voters' roles are accurately maintained. This ruling is a victory for election integrity. Bellows did not respond by press time to the request by the Epoch Times for comment on the main case. In the Illinois ruling, State Attorney General Kwame Raoul, a Democrat whose attorneys represent the state, did not respond by press time to request a comment either. So you know what I bet you is going to happen out of this, guys? I bet you. So they win the case in Maine, right? Okay, granted. But now we have Maine enacting these new voter rules, right? So how much you want to bet that uh, PILF or perhaps another organization ends up going after the state of Maine and, uh, and, and seeking those laws to be unconstitutional. I mean, they'll need some, they'll need a plaintiff, right? They'll need, they'll need someone there that has precedence, right? Uh, um, not precedence, that has, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, that, that can actually uh, stand in court, has standing. That's what I meant, right, guys? Has standing. I'm not a lawyer. Give me a break here, guys. Anyways, okay. So a uh, very interesting story that we have going on in... Um, what do you call it, in Illinois. And we knocked out two birds with one stone. We got to see uh, Illinois and Maine in that one story. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Okay, guys. Thank you for the 100 gold pills, Mr. The Speak Uneasy. Much appreciated. And uh, glad to have you in the audience, sir. Let's see here. Uh-huh. Oh, Big Brother's watching. Nope. Hey, 007, what's going on? Oh, yeah, you guys are talking about Big Brother over there, ain't ya? Okay, awesome, guys. Okay, cool. Let's talk about Florida. And sorry if I'm moving along a little bit quickly today, guys. I told you guys, we got, I still got, we still got a little bit more, you know, of this election shenanigans stuff to cover. And then, uh, God willing, we'll also run a, uh, a documentary tonight as well. More on that, though, a little later on in the show. Okay, let's talk about Florida. Now, everyone knows about this one, guys, but uh, this, uh, this election integrity victory basically got swept up in the waves of this whole, uh, this whole don't say gay law that they passed or they're trying to pass it. Wait, yeah, no, yes, that one. It's, it's not, okay, do you see how, how tripped up these people get you? Okay, it, it's not the don't say gay law, but that's what they call it. And you understand, okay, we already know about the whole thing. It's really just, uh, it's a parental rights bill, okay? And for crying out loud, do you really need to talk to a kindergartner about sex, ladies and gentlemen? Like, they can't even wait until they're in fourth grade. And I'm, I can't even believe that kids these days are thinking, uh, you know, about sex at four. I, I don't think that they are, honestly. When I think back to my fourth grade, there was probably one or two nasty people in the classroom. There was like one nasty girl and one nasty boy, right? And everyone was like, the nasty boy, you know? And if you were friends with that boy or that girl, you know, you might be considered to have questionable company. That's, what it, that's the way it was when I was in fourth grade, okay? No one was talking about sex and gender and pee-pees and masturbation and wee-wees and vaginas, right? No one was talking about that stuff except for the one nasty girl and the one nasty boy. There was one, there was one or two in every class, right? One or two nasty, and like I said, their friends, 
you know, you, you could, you could question their acquaintances, right? But, um, that's what I just, I don't get it. You know, actually I had, to, and we're not going to, we're not talking about the don't say gay bill guys. We're not talking about it, but I just got to say this, uh, before we go into Florida's election victory over here, I thought about it today. And the reason why I thought about it today is because I saw a video meme about um, about one of those special teachers, right, that was like so angry about this bill law passing in Florida, you know, the parental rights bill for not talking to your kids about sex until they're in the fourth grade. You know, um, uh, that uh, he, he was going on and on and on about, oh, well, this isn't just the don't say gay bill. This is the don't say family bill. This is the don't say heterosexuality bill. This means no more Father's Day, no more Mother's Day. And I'm like, really, guy? Like this guy was this guy was just flippant. And he was a teacher for a kindergarten class with his nails painted, a bald head, a big old like double chin, um, you know, and, and he also had like a Cosby sweater on. And, you know, I'm just sitting there thinking like, you know what the problem here is, guys? And, and I'm not making an excuse for these people. I'm not making an excuse for these people by any means, okay? But it has, it has nothing to do with gay. It has nothing to do with homosexual has nothing to do with teaching kids about diversity. You know what it has to do with? It has to do with a solid decade of wokeism, brainwashing, and a solid decade. And this is a solid decade plus, okay? I'm not just saying it's only been the last 10 years. I mean the last 10 years, it's been compounded. It's always been here for probably about at least two, two and a half to three decades, right? Since, since uh, you know, since The Little Mermaid, probably, right? Back in the 1980s. But what I am saying is since uh, after a solid decade of wokeism, uh, brainwashing, and, and cancel culture, and, and soy boy, soy girl crap, you know, this is this is about their personal identity. These people take it personal. That's why they can't seem to get around the entire notion that it's inappropriate to talk to kids about what makes your wee-wee or your vajayjay feel good when you're touching it, you know, like, that's what these people can't seem to understand. Like, to them, it's like, well, if only someone had talked to me when I was a kindergarten about whether or not I was a dog or a cat or a boy or a girl or a Power Ranger, then maybe I would have been happier when I was a kid. Well, guess what, bozo? Probably not, because you know what? You still would have been ostracized by your entire family and community because no one felt like that in the 1980s and 70s when you were a kid, okay? So all I'm saying here is, guys, no, there are a whole bunch of sick-ass perverts out there that are preying on the children, but I think these people, it's personal to them. It's personal. They, are, they feel like they're being attacked personally. They're feeling very attacked, right? That's what's going on with these people, and they just feel like any bill that says you can't talk about your feelings about wee-wees and the JJs with kids means that you are personally attacking their identity because they have been the brainwashed zombies of this woke, me-too, progressive bullcrap 
since God knows for it, the severely, severely abused by the mainstream media and, and the brainwashing units out there for the last 10 years, uh, but even more so throughout their life. And that's just kind of what I think about that at the moment. You know, let's, let's not forget that uh, Disney has hired and fired, uh, you know, um, a, a child uh, pedophile or a, uh, a, uh, a sex offender for the last, uh, every year for the last 10 years straight. Let's not, let's not forget about that, Disney. Let's not forget about that. Let's talk about Florida. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the sea report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the sea report and thanks y'all florida had a victory when it came to election integrity and here is what it was ladies and gentlemen florida to make possession of more than two voter ballots a felony okay now texas and uh, all you other states out there, you could take a page or two out of Florida's playbook and apply it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pretty sure you guys would agree with that out there. It says here, possessing more than two ballots in Florida will become a felony under a bill passed by state lawmakers on Wednesday. Uh, the uh, and this is this month is this this uh, article is a few weeks removed, guys. So, like I said, I had catching up to do. Uh, the offense was previously a misdemeanor in the state under a 2021 law, but the more serious classification in the new legislation will make it punishable with a fine of up to fifty thousand dollars and a five-year prison term. The Washington Post reported Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has indicated he will sign the bill into law. The ballot felony is just one part of a bill that aims to reform certain elements of Florida elections. The legislation would also establish a first-of-its-kind elections police force for the United States, which has raised concerns about its possible impact on voters, the Post reported. In November's press release that announced his intention to propose the legislation, DeSantis said that the measures were aimed at bolstering election integrity in the state. I am excited that with this legislation, our state will be able to enforce elections election violations, combat fraud, and make sure violators are held accountable, he said in a statement. If potential violators know they will be held accountable, they will be much less likely to engage in improper conduct in the first place. That's what I'm talking about. 
DeSantis' office is uh, looking forward to the bill landing on his desk, a spokesperson told Newsweek. We're very excited and thank the legislature for delivering on Governor DeSantis' election and te- security initiative. The legislature carried out our goal of making it easier to vote and harder to cheat, the spokesperson said. DeSantis proposed plans for the police force about two months ago. But the measure passed Wednesday by the GOP-led House and Senate has some key differences. The governor had requested almost $6 million to hire a force of 52 people, but instead he will be allocated about $2.5 million to hire 25 staffers for the new Office of Election Crimes and Security. Joe Scott, the Broward County election supervisor, said the bill was drastically improved from DeSantis' original proposal, but the Democrat added that he still believes the state should not have an elections force, according to the Post. Too bad, Joe Scott. It's because uh, Broward County had a lot of... Uh, okay, there was this report that was released some time ago about the counties in Florida and who did and who did not do well on their election supervision. And basically, in Broward County was one of the counties where they received a lot of complaints about election, uh, uh, election fraud and voter fraud. And they found that in Broward County that they had failed to turn over those complaints to the state, uh, to the county DA or whatever, and to the state DA. So they, they, you know, basically Broward County was on the hit list. No one wants to do their job over there. No one seems to care about elections. You know, no one seems to care about your election. I mean, their elections. No, no one seems to care. Least of all the elected officials, right? Least of all the elected officials. It's because that's how they got there, right? Now it says the misdemeanor to felony boost for, for, for possessing more than two ballots has also been criticized. Uh, Democrat State Representative Joseph Geller um, asked, we're going to convict people of a felony because they helped three instead of two elderly neighbors? Well, buddy, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that. You know, they have people that can go and do that. You know, they have, uh, they have uh, election, uh, election deputies that can go in and get those. Uh, from uh, elderly people, or I guess it depends on what state you're in, whether or not they have that uh, ability or not. You know, ballot trafficking and ballot harvesting is a thing, ladies and gentlemen. If you've been paying attention to any of the news, then you would know that that's a fact. Under the bill, election supervisors would have to call voter rolls. Oh, that's so hot. Oh, election supervisors. Oh, I'm so sorry, uh, Joe Scott of Broward County. You're going to have to call your voter rolls or sift out names. Oh, that's why you're so such a sour apple about it, right? Every year rather than every two years, switching the party registration of a voter without the person's authorization would bring a $1,000 fine, the Post reported. Huh. Oh, so does that happen? People get their registration switched without an authorization from the voter? Hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry, Joe Scott. I'm so sorry, Broward County. You're going to have to do your job. Anyways, ballot drop boxes will be renamed secure ballot intake stations when the bill becomes law. What? 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 That's weird. Okay, so... DeSantis is doing all he can for voter integrity and election integrity in Florida, but he's allowing ballot drop boxes to remain. 
you better make sure that they have like 4K ultra cameras like in the face. You know, they need to do it like the ATMs, right? Like the ATMs like have the camera right there or like your bank teller machines like uh, uh, on the go. They have a little camera right there by the screen. That's what they need to do with these uh, freaking um, drop boxes. May someone design a drop box with a camera in it, okay? And how about you have to punch in your security uh, number, or your social security number, or, or your zip code, or your something. How about you have to enter in your voter ID number into it in order to drop your ballot in the box? How about that? How about that for election security, okay? I'm, gonna, I'm going to patent that right now. <laughs> and I'm sending it to the patent office. And and we'll see how that works, ladies and gentlemen. You want to talk about secure elections at the ballot drop? We'll have some ballot drop boxes, but they've got to be some pretty damn high-tech and secure ballot drop boxes, ladies and gentlemen. Enter in your social. Mm-hmm. And enter in your uh yeah take a picture you know take a picture okay <laughs> all right guys i think this is our last story of election fraud and shenanigans from around the uh states before we get into two pretty heavy stories about election fraud and election integrity uh let me see what we got going on here ladies and gentlemen what do you what are you guys talking about right now we got um we got, uh, hey, Sonia, what's going on? Sonia said, just just tuned into your rant and I'm pissed off too. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she says, that sounds kind of fun. Oh, wait, you're talking to Aurelius Locke. My bad, Sonia. <laughs> oh, man. Sonia says, I think this, I think the uh, military should handle it nationwide. You mean selected officials? Indeed. Yes, that is true. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, I worked an election 25 to 26 years ago, says Sonia, and made $12 an hour. Bet they make $25 now. With inflation, it might as well be $5 an hour. Huh? Hey, Slug Trail, what's going on? How's it going? All right. Ballot air tubes like the banks have. Yeah. <laughs> you going to patent that one, Aurelius Locke? Okay. Let's talk about Arkansas. In Arkansas, we had some election uh, election um, laws that were being passed and considered, and it seems that they have been stricken down by a judge. It says here, judge strikes down election integrity laws in Arkansas as unconstitutional. So Arkansas has been feeling a lot of pain over there. <clears throat> Uh, as far as uh, uh, where where their people stand, I mean, what they have they have one of their one of their representatives who's caught on camera, one of their senators caught on camera. Wait, I'm like, let me check myself. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. One of their senators caught on camera saying uh, Trump needs to get over 2020, and then we got another one uh, who was uh, who's had his uh, endorsement. Uh, rescinded because he thinks that uh, people need to get over 2020, right? And now we have uh, judges striking down election integrity laws in that same state. Boy, Arkansas, you guys seem like you guys in a lot of trouble. That's right. That's your home state, isn't it, Aurelius, right? That is your home. That's right, buddy. That is right. Uh, article says an often reversed Arkansas judge struck down <clears throat> four new election integrity laws approved by the Republican-controlled state legislature, finding the statutes unconstitutional, but an appeal to the state Supreme Court seems imminent. 
Pulaski County Circuit Judge Wendell Griffin permanently enjoined the laws, Acts 249, 728, 736, and 973 on March 18th after a four-day trial. The statutes came as part of a nationwide wave of new state-level election laws that followed irregularities during the 2020 presidential election. In court, Griffin reportedly said the defendants, including Arkansas Secretary of State John Thurston, a Republican, had not demonstrated a need for the laws and that the state's fears about election integrity were based entirely on conjecture and speculation, which cannot be permitted to support uh, to supply the place of proof. Griffin said he would issue a detailed. What this is just crap, guys. This is crap. Okay, this is crap. Okay, this this sounds like I can't I can't allow this uh, this uh, this um, this case to move forward because I don't know how to provide relief to a single plaintiff. Even if you have the evidence, this is that's total crap. This is total crap. Another technicality. I'm going to throw out this case because I can't provide relief uh, in a, a logical and well thought out way. The lawsuit was initiated by the League of Women Voters of Arkansas, Arkansas United and five voters. They claimed the statutes disproportionately harmed voters of color. Of course, of course. These laws were, of course, they were voter suppression. Leave it up to the League of Women Voters of Arkansas, of course, and Arkansas United, to claim that this is voter suppression. LWVAR President Bonnie Miller, who's probably white, said on social media that she was pleased with the court's decision. We're celebrating this victory with some champagne and mimosas for democracy and are on the lanai and are confident that justice will continue to prevail despite the attorney general's inevitable appeal. Andrew Collins, a Democrat who's a member of the, uh, of the League of Women Voters of Arkansas. Just kidding, just kidding. Andrew Collins is not a member of LWVAR. Uh, Andrew Collins, a Democrat who's a member of the Arkansas House of Representatives, also reacted favorably about the ruling, and I don't really care to read what Collins has to say. Act 249 dealt with how provisional ballots are counted, which obviously is detrimental to voters of color. Act 728, which came in response to complaints about groups giving food and water to voters, prohibit individuals from being within 100 feet of a polling place unless they are entering or leaving the facility because everybody knows that voters of color do not have food or water and they go and vote to get food and water. And that's the only reason why they're there. If you're Hispanic, Mexican, black, or any other color but white, the only reason you go to vote is because you know you're going to get free food and water. So Act 728 clearly is in violation of uh, voters of color, right? Okay, let's see what Act 736 is about. Act 736, a measure aimed at ballot harvesting, stated that the possession by an individual of more than four absentee ballots creates a rebuttal presumption of intent of fraud. Oh, okay, because everybody knows that grandma and grandpa in the house of a colored and by house of a color, I mean Hispanic, Mexican, black, whatever. 
And I can say that because my skin is colored, right? Ah, gotcha. Anyways, okay. Uh, everyone knows that they're not going to go wait in line to get that free food and water, okay? But look, it doesn't even make it a crime. It says it creates a rebuttal presumption of intent of fraud. That's ridiculous. How this pertains to colored individuals, people of color, right? I'm starting to sound like I'm from the 60s, right? How this pertains to people of color and how this prevents them or derails them or anything from voting, I don't understand. And Act 973 reduced the time frame for voters to ask for absentee ballots because everybody knows that people of color are too damn lazy to request it on time, right? The Mexicans are asleep and the, uh, the blacks are on CPT. So uh, you can't have Act 973. Only white people do things on time, according to the League of Women Voters of Arkansas and Arkansas United and five of these other voters and this Democrat, Andrew Collins. Do they don't even understand exactly how insulting these people are by claiming these common sense measures are going to affect people of color, be voter suppression, or be racist in any way. It makes no sense, ladies and gentlemen. It makes no sense at all. Oh, it just makes me laugh. State Senator Kim Hammer, who is a Republican... Uh, and supported the reforms, told CNN last year that the new laws were about protecting the integrity of the vote. These were taken from real examples that happened here in the state, he said, adding that lawmakers had worked with local election officials in writing the legislation. State leaders who support the election integrity measures were disappointed by the ruling. States should be left with the flexibility to protect the integrity of the ballot box and the Arkansas Supreme Court will have the opportunity to review the constitutionality of these laws. Governor Asa Hutchinson, a Republican, told her, well, we don't care if Asa Hutchinson is a Republican. We all know he's trash, right? Governor Hutchinson is trash. He needs to go. An aide to Arkansas Attorney General Leslie Rutledge said Rutledge would review the court decision and decide what to do next. The Attorney General is committed to fighting for the integrity of elections in the state of Arkansas, spokeswoman Stephanie Sharp said in a statement. Griffin, known for his left-wing activism, is a controversial figure in Arkansas. Some Republican state lawmakers advocate impeaching and removing him as a judge. So we're talking about Judge Griffin here, right? Compared by some to Reverend Jeremiah Wright. Reverend Jeremiah Wright, a former Barack Obama pastor whose fiery services blasted the United States as an inherently racist country. Griffin is also a Baptist preacher known for wearing an African dashiki when delivering sermons as Wright did. Okay, Epoch Times, now you're starting to sound a little racist, okay? Okay, anyways, Griffin was barred from hearing cases that could lead to the death penalty after he attended an anti-capital punishment protest outside the governor's mansion in 2017 while strapped to a cot as if he were about to be executed by lethal injection. 
<laughs> Whoa, okay. Now, that's what you call an activist judge, Kentangi Brown Jackson. So, what Kentangi Brown Jackson's got to do is she's got to, like, uh, bring a whole bunch of child porn images to the next protest. And at, at, at Disney, right? She should, Kentangi Brown Jackson clearly needs to bring a lot of inappropriate, and you know what, I'm, say, I'm saying that as a joke, okay? I don't mean she should really bring child porn, you know, images, but maybe she can bring, like, pictures of, like, your Barbie doll, like, or something, or, like, Barbie sister doll. I don't know. And she should be like, uh, don't say gay, don't say gay. If she wants to get on the level of Judge Griffin, ladies and gentlemen, she needs to bring... <laughs> If she truly wants to be the empathetic uh, activist judge that she says that she is, ladies and gentlemen, she needs to do such a thing. Arkansas. Okay, I know how to pronounce it. But ladies and gentlemen, I have got to see this. Okay. <laughs> I have got to see this. Okay. Uh, death penalty. <laughs> you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing. Okay. Uh, show me a picture. <laughs> Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here is Judge Griffin strapped to a cot at a pro. You see this, Contangi Brown Jackson? This is what it takes to be a judge in an Obama administration's court, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be mistaken. <laughs> what kind of a judge? And why does he have? Why does he have a Curious George's uh, um, 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 uh, handler hat uh, across his crotch? I would like to know. You know that guy from Curious George? He wore the same kind of hat. <laughs> Here's another one, guys. In case you, in case you missed the first one. <laughs> How much do you think they paid him to do that, ladies and gentlemen? And look at, they had a whopping seven individuals at this rally. <laughs> oh my God. This is, uh, this is something else, guys. This is something else. This is something else. Okay, all right. Let me get it off the screen. I think I've had... Look at her. <laughs> How much do you want to bet this woman's a member of the, the, the Women's League of Voters in Arkansas? How much you want to bet she's one of them? And look at... Stan Lee was there too. No, just kidding. That's not Stan Lee. Anyways, okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, let me get these guys off the screen. Guys, sorry. I'm having far too much fun. I'm going to save these photos. Because... <laughs> this, is a, this is rich stuff you just don't always see here, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, man, you know, I wasn't doing news in 2017, so I definitely missed this story. <laughs> You know, the least they could have done, ladies and gentlemen, is they could have had his hand out to the side, like with, you know, like with like a little stirrup. <laughs> That's what they could have done. Oh, the name of this photo is Judge Gurney Protest. Ooh, that's a little bit cryptic. Okay, how about we put Judge Griffin Journey, uh, Journey, Gurney. <laughs> this is hilarious, guys. All right. Judge Griffin, you get a point for making me laugh tonight. <laughs> but other than that, Judge Griffin, you lost all your princess points, okay? <laughs> 
that is some hilarious stuff there, guys. Oh, goodness. You never know what to expect here at the Sea Report. Okay, I think we're done with this article. <laughs> oh, do you want to hear what Griffin said? White nationalism and white male supremacy never left this country. It is a fallacy that somehow the nation had moved on beyond the hatefulness, the fearfulness, the misogyny. He sounds like he's been drinking Hillary Clinton's hot sauce. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, we're going over to Pennsylvania now. I realized that I said that uh, the state of Arkansas was the last state on our tour of election fraud and shenanigans across America. Uh, but uh, you know, to be quite frank, and you guys know how I feel about being frank, um, there is a lot of shenanigans going on in the state of Pennsylvania. Okay, now Pennsylvania, we're going to talk about for a minute because there's a lot of shenanigans going on in Pennsylvania. But before we get to the main dish, and trust me, ladies and gentlemen, the main dish is a big, juicy butt roast. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I promise it's a big, juicy butt roast. But before we get to that, let's see, we have an update uh, in regards to uh, Fulton County's, uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say Fulton County. I should say the state Senate's election investigation into the 2020 election uh, frauds and the voting machines. Now, where we last left off with these guys, um, uh, Fulton County, by way of uh, Senate pro tempore rhino Jake Corman, and uh, and his little his little friend there, um, uh, Senator Cush, um, were trying to get Dominion voting machines um, so that they could investigate them, inspect them, forensically audit them. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled that they couldn't do that. Okay, the Supreme Court ruled that they couldn't do that. But in a shocking update, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania has ruled that Dominion voting machines can join the state because this is the state of Pennsylvania, okay? This is this is the district attorney, this is the Secretary of State, this is the governor, and this is the Fulton County who are telling Jake Corman, pro uh, Rhino pro uh, uh, Rhino, let, let me let me say it. Rhino Senate pro tempore the head of this investigation, they're the ones telling him that you cannot have access to Dominion voting machines. So the, the, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania has not ruled in favor of anyone in particular, but what they have done is they have allowed Dominion voting machines to join in the case against the uh, Pennsylvania Senate. So that does not bode well, ladies and gentlemen, for this investigation. I can tell you that for a fact. This article says, on Monday, March 21st, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that Dominion voting machines can join case against Fulton County PA auditing their machines. Whether Fulton County can perform an audit of these machines is still with the court. 
As of Monday, March 21st, there was one remaining audit or inspection of the Dominion voting machines in the country, and this was in Fulton County, Pennsylvania. Then the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that the audit be stopped until the court could rule on the audit happening. Fulton County wanted a forensic analysis of their machines after the 2020 election. The county ordered their own inspection by Wake TSI. Wake TSI received a copy of a Dominion machine from the county's IT department. This copy was used by Wake TSI in their audit. They never touched a Dominion machine. In the end, Wake TSI created a report of their investigation of the Dominion voting machines used in the county. The contents of the Wake TSI's report have never been challenged. Only who funded the audit was challenged. Below are five points from Wake TSI's report's executive summary. Fulton County had no anomalous uh, or unusual incidents reported during the election process. Expectations were that this assessment would not show any indications of error, technology, interference, fraud, or misconduct. Five issues of note were found in the conduct of the election, three of which are related to the election management systems vendor. There were a number of errors in ballot scanning. The failure of Dominion voting to meet the Commonwealth certifications requirement. Now that... Number two is across the board, guys. Dominion voting machines fail to meet any state or any federal requirement for certification. Just so you guys, you know, we've talked about this here at length at the C-Report, okay? Number three, the addition of non-certified database tools installed on the system. Number four, changes were made to the election management server, uh, server three weeks prior to the election. And number five, the lack of Commonwealth L&A inspections, that's logistics and assessments or something like that, inspections of the voting machines. The last issue is hard to understand as the Commonwealth's documentation requires the DOS to collect the L&A, that's um, logistics and accuracy testing results. Basically, the results of this view show that Dominion voting machines should never have been put in place in Fulton County or anywhere else. In response to the county's actions, a Pennsylvania acting secretary, and you guys might remember her, Veronica DeGraffenreed, decertified voting machines in the county, even though the machines were not touched by anyone other than the local IT team. Then the SOS forced the county to pay for new machines. The county thought this was unfair and sued the state. Attorney Tom King approached Fulton County, Pennsylvania, and made the commissioners an offer they could not refuse. He agreed to provide Fulton County with free legal services, which were paid for, the, uh, paid for by the Amistad Project, so they are not actually free. Fulton County agreed to have King represent them. Soon after this, Attorney Tom King agreed to organize an equipment inspection with the acting Pennsylvania Secretary of State, Veronica DeGraffenreed, who was allowed to bring in her election expert, Ryan Macias. What the hell? Ryan Macias? Really? Okay. Do you guys, do you guys remember who Ryan Macias is? You guys probably don't remember who Ryan Macias is. Ryan Macias is the supposed election expert that they found had been smuggled into the um, the Arizona uh, full forensic audit in Maricopa County there in Veterans Memorial Theater. Do you guys remember? Okay, so I think it was uh, I think it was Jordan Conradson of the Gateway Pundit, right? 
And so basically you have you have um, you have uh, uh, Katie Hobbs's team of election auditor watchers, right? Fraud watchers, right? So you remember how during the Arizona uh, Maricopa County audit, uh, when they were in the actual Coliseum doing the actual audit, you had you had uh, teams by color. You had the blue team, the orange team, the yellow team, the green team. And then you had the pink team. The pink team were the frauded watchers that were sent over by the Secretary of Snakes. So, in these frauded watchers, you, this guy, Ryan Macias, was smuggled in as an election expert. He got busted, okay, and then Jordan Conradson did, like, a, uh, like one of those gotcha type of interviews that he was chasing him to his car. <laughs> he was like, Ryan Macias, Ryan Macias. Whoever, I don't remember what outfit Ryan Macias worked for. He worked for, like, some pop culture magazine or some crap like that. Like, this guy's, he's crap, okay? So, it's just, this is, this is Veronica DeGraff and Reed. This is her expert, <laughs> <laughs> this guy is the one that was crying about finding a blue pen on the floor of the audit floor in Arizona. Like this is this guy is just he's he's a soy boy. Okay, he's a soy boy. Um, so it says here Macias spent a day or so looking over records and left the situation basically as it is. You know why? Because he's not an election expert. Okay, he's just there to show face, face, face. He gives them face, ladies and gentlemen. That's all he is there for. That's all he's good for. This Ryan Macias. That is so crazy. And isn't it crazy how these people appear all around the country involved in the same situations? Isn't that crazy? I'm surprised I'm surprised to see the name Ryan Macias. I thought that was the last time I was gonna see him, and that was back in May of 2021. Ladies, and then he pops up in Pennsylvania with Veronica DeGraffenried. Now, uh, admittedly, this is some time ago because Veronica DeGraffenried is no longer the Pennsylvania Secretary of State, acting Pennsylvania Secretary of State. She was actually promoted higher and in a permanent position within Governor Wolf's administration, okay, for a job well done. And so this way, when the hammer comes swinging down, no one will say Veronica DeGraffenreid is the acting Secretary of State. That was when she was, uh, you know, let's forgive and forget, let bygones be bygones. They have a whole brand new uh, acting Secretary of State. And I tell you what, guys, Pennsylvania does it like Texas. Their SOS office, broken. Broken. Just like Texas. You know, just like Texas. If you have a, uh, if you have a Secretary of State office in your state where your secretaries of state outnumber your governors by more than half, or you always have an acting secretary of state, you need to do an inspection of your SOS office, okay? That is number one sign that you have a broken secretary of state office. There should not be logistics like that in that office, okay? In most states... The Secretary of State serves the same amount of years per term as the governor, right? And you know how it goes, right, in, in politics. If you're working with someone that works well with you and you're the governor or you're the state rep or you're the, and anyone in your office that you work with, you want to keep on working with them. So why is it that in most states, we have a revolving door of secretaries of states that can't seem to finish their term or we have nothing but acting secretaries of state? You know, you guys have heard me go blue in the face about secretaries of states in our country, let alone in states like Texas and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. No, not Wisconsin. I forgot because Wisconsin, their secretary of state has nothing to do with elections. Okay. Michigan, Georgia and Arizona. 
and Colorado, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, okay, so let's get, let's finish this article up, guys. Yeah, you see, I, I just, I had to start early because I knew I was going to get excited about something, right? Months went by and virtually uh, nothing happened in the underlying Fulton case against the Pennsylvania SOS. Then the Pennsylvania Senate, led by Jake Corman, sent the county a letter requesting to make forensic images of the Fulton County Dominion machines that the P Pennsylvania Secretary of State decertified. The Senate requested that the county allow experts to make one copy of a machine that has never been used and another copy of a machine that was used in the 2020 election. The forensic copies would be compared and reviewed and would provide additional weight to the results of the audit performed by Wake TSI. The Pennsylvania Senate's legal team chartered a pathway for Fulton County via the Commonwealth Court for the inspection of the Dominion machines, but this effort was delayed by the courts. On January 15th, when the Senate was scheduled to collect the forensic copy of the Fulton County Dominion machines, sent his partner to Fulton County to assist in the work to be done. Instead, the Supreme Court stepped in and stopped the work through an emergency stay. Next came the Pennsylvania Supreme Court's ruling on the matter. The court basically allowed Dominion to join the case after Dominion was not allowed to, to in a prior court case. The overall ruling from the Supreme Court is still in the works. So there you go. It says here, uh, comments from Morning Call that the PA Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that only EAC approved auditors, EAC is a federal government agency in DC, could perform the audit of Dominion machines were premature and incorrect. Attorney Tom King discussed with us the current status of the Supreme Court case on April 1st, 2022. This will be presented in an article later today. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. There you have it. Now you know, now you know. That was what was the case with the uh, election. That's why I say Pennsylvania Pennsylvania is pretty low on the list for um, uh, the certification. They're, they're number four. Okay. Number four. Number one is still Wisconsin. Uh, I would say uh, Georgia and Arizona are top. I think Georgia is going to decertify before Arizona at this point, honestly. I honestly do. I honestly think Georgia is going to decertify before Arizona. And then, uh, and then we'll have Arizona most likely, right? Will we see perp walks? I don't know. I, I'm not going to make a statement in that regard, but we will see decertification. Decertification is coming, ladies and gentlemen. Decertification is coming quick. All right. That brings us... Uh, who are you? Okay. <laughs> who are you? Okay. You're not my, you're not my, <laughs> this is not my butt roast, ladies and gentlemen. I promised you a butt roast. Okay, anyways, close enough. This is um, a district attorney in Pennsylvania, ladies and gentlemen. This is, this is going to be shenanigans, ladies, shenanigans, ladies and gentlemen. This is a district attorney in the state of Pennsylvania, Okay. Now, the reason why we have his face featured here, look, let's feature it a little bit more. Huh? What you think about that, huh? Does he look scared or confused? Probably confused. Anyways, the reason why we have this man's face <clears throat> featured so prominently on our show tonight is because this district attorney, don't even let me find out that he is Soros backed. 
but it would make sense, is allowing ballot traffickers in the state of Pennsylvania to get away with breaking the law. Ladies and gentlemen, this is District Attorney James B. Martin of Lehigh, Pennsylvania. And in the state of Pennsylvania, we have recently found that there is much evidence of ballot trafficking in Pennsylvania, just like in Georgia, just like in Wisconsin, and I'm sure as we will discover in many states to come, ladies and gentlemen. Now, in, in Pennsylvania, there was actually a hearing into ballot trafficking happening at the drop boxes around the state. And uh, here is the story on that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Lehigh County District Attorney Jim Martin said Monday there were likely hundreds of instances where people were people deposited more than one ballot into drop boxes between October 18th and Election Day, November 2nd, 2021. Now, this is for 2021, guys. You know what that means. Our elections 2020 and forward have not been secure. But we knew that and we expected that if 2020 was not taken care of first. The rest of the story says, Joe Vichotte, chairman of the Lehigh County Republican Committee, submitted correspondence on January 20th, 2022 to Deputy County Solicitor Sarah Murray uh, Murray, regarding alleged multiple ballots deposited at drop boxes during the 2021 November election. According to a news release from the Lehigh County District Attorney's Office, on February 1st, 2022, the Election Board of Lehigh County, through Deputy Solicitor Murray, referred the matter to the District Attorney for investigation. Martin said he referred to the matter to Chief County Detective Michael J. Millen, who assigned County Detectives Richard G. Haffelfinger, uh, Stephen C. Furlong, and Robert V. Egan to the investigation. Um, based upon the investigation, Martin said he found that there were likely hundreds of instances where people deposited more than one ballot into drop boxes established for receipt of ballots between October 18th and Election Day, November 2nd, 2021. Over the time that drop boxes were in place, 7,196 ballots were deposited and counted. Based upon the review by the detectives, at least 288 people deposited more than one ballot in the various drop boxes, all of which were under video surveillance, according to the news release from the DA's office. This is a violation of the provisions of the election code, which require that each voter deposit and deliver only their own ballot. Based upon the sampling... It is clear that many more than just those observed deposited more than one ballot, District Attorney Martin said. There was only one instance where it appears that more than two ballots were deposited. In that case, either five or six were deposited, Martin said. That person cannot be identified. Martin said the vast majority of others captured on video depositing their ballots in drop boxes also 
cannot be identified. More than 14,800 ballots were delivered through the United States mail and no video exists as to the as to these, the DA's office said. There will be no prosecution brought as a result of the investigation. And uh, here is the reason why this district attorney, James B. Jim Martin, is not going to prosecute. Are you ready for your stomachs to turn, ladies and gentlemen? He's not going to prosecute because to prosecute those few whose identity can be proven would be unfair and unjust given the much larger numbers who cannot be identified and who also deposited multiple ballots. Oh, well, I have one plaintiff with a case that is rife with proven election evidence, and I can't find a way to bring relief to this plaintiff because I can't decertify an election, so I'm going to dismiss the case without allowing the evidence into the court. Is that not... Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that is just... This is a joke beyond a joke. Basically, what Martin is saying... I mean, okay, think about it this way. Think about it this way. You have a major bank heist with multiple players and only one gets apprehended and the other the other dozen or so get away, right? Let's say it's a big heist. Say you got multiple hits across city. You, you're, you're hitting like 10 banks, all part of the same crew or not, right? Whatever. Let's make it easier for me, okay? And they only apprehend one person on film that they can identify. Not that they actually apprehended him, okay? His mask accidentally flew off. And they're like, oh, this is, this is Joe John Doe. And, uh, you know, he lives at this address. We got, because we do the whole, uh, you know, tracking of people these days. And then they decide not to prosecute because all of the other ones got away. And what does, what precedent does that set? What precedent does that set? That sets the precedent that it is okay to traffic ballots. It's okay to ballot harvest as long as you don't get caught. Because if a lot of you guys get caught, we're going to have to just bring the law down, you know. But if there were five of 288 people that were caught and that were held accountable to the fullest extent of the law, and meaning that the state of Pennsylvania really does see that elections are sacred and elections are super important, that might cause half of them to stop their shenanigans and evil ways by next year. That might cause a quarter of them to stop. But even that, ladies and gentlemen, is more than just letting these people get away because it's unfair. It's not unjust, D.A. Martin. It is not unjust. And it, you know what's unfair? What's unfair is all of your constituents who believe in this country and this system who have been defrauded by jokers like you. That's what's unfair. District Attorney Jim Martin of Lehigh County, Pennsylvania. That is what is unfair, ladies and gentlemen.
And that's all I got to say about that. Let's bust out the butt roast, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Let's bust out the butt roast. Come on. Oh, okay. Here we go. We're back. We're back. We're back. <clears throat> all right, guys. We only got a couple of more stories to get through. And uh, we'll we'll call it a Jew for the evening. But uh, we're going to be talking about Bill Barr, the B2 bomber. Bill Barr busted, ladies and gentlemen. You know, now there is some people, there are some people out there that still have faith in William Barr. Okay. The B2 bomber, the Belugawell Big Boobies, William Barr himself. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys know I like to call him names. Um, and it's because this man, I am, I am, I am an American scorned, ladies and gentlemen. I am, I am a Amer- an American scorned. What can I say? I, I am a uh, constitutional Republican restorationist scorned, ladies and gentlemen, who had faith in this man before I even realized his history and his family history, okay? Had faith in this man to do his job. Of course, I was also surrounded by a whole bunch of other people that are like, this is the B2 bomber. He's going to bring it with the indictments and he's going to bring down everybody and B2 bomber, we're going to suck on his boobies. That's how everyone was with Billiam Barr, the B2 bomber, Bill big booby bar, you know? That's how everyone was, you know? So... I think more and more. I mean, and and like I said, some people still have faith in the man. Some people still have faith in him. You know what? I'm not here to question anybody's faith in anything. Your faith is your faith. Okay? And, And there are plenty of questionable characters that have come across the stage since President Trump was in office and since the theft of the 2020 election. That I can say, you know what? I'm still going to have faith in these people, right? Would you like to know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about John Durham. And, And to a lesser extent, I'm talking about CIA Director Christopher Wray. But not William Barr, okay? Not William Barr. I will not... Relent in how I feel, my feelings, ladies and gentlemen, about William Barr, okay? This man, as I have heard, has been nothing but a traitor. And he has done everything in his possible reach to ensure that things did not go smoothly or the way that they should for Americans during his time as attorney general, and also during his time towards the end of President Trump's time in office, optically speaking, ladies and gentlemen. So now some stories to re-fortify my point of view have come up that I'm going to be sharing with you guys. And yes, it has to do with election integrity and election fraud. That's the theme of today's show. So, let's talk about it. What do we got going on here? We have William Barr on the screen. 
uh, alongside District Attorney McSwain, I want to say it is. Now, if you guys recall the story, uh, uh, Mr. McSwain, and you know, I'm just going to switch over to make sure I'm giving you guys the right name here. I was right. William McSwain, ladies and gentlemen. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to switch it back over here because, you know, come on. Hey, get you, get you off the screen, Scribd. We ain't here talking to you. Come on. There we go. Okay, now that I got the name right. Okay, so we had District Attorney McSwain of Pennsylvania. That's right, we're still in Pennsylvania. After the 2020 election, DA McSwain so desperately wanted to investigate election fraud. He received hundreds of affidavits, phone calls, complaints, concerns, and he was going to get on the case. We had a lot of situations coming up in Pennsylvania in regard to election fraud, ladies and gentlemen. But then we find out a year later and more when President Trump was speaking at CPAC in Dallas in 2021, okay, that District Attorney McSwain actually made every attempt that he could to investigate this election fraud. But someone by the name of William Barr would not let him move forward with his investigations. Nay, Bill Barr told William McSwain that he needed to stop looking into election fraud in Pennsylvania. And it gets worse. But just in case you don't believe me, I pulled up this document here. Now, this is, uh, this is the letter that District Attorney William McSwain, he's former United States Attorney for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, had written to President Trump. And this is actually the letter that President Trump shared with all of us at CPAC when he was speaking in Dallas in 2021. And this should shed some more light. Some people still have faith in Bill Barr. Go ahead. Have your faith in the Antichrist all you want. I don't care. I'm not here to judge. But uh, this, is the, uh, this is the letter that uh, um, District Attorney McSwain sent to President Trump in regards to this matter. He said, it, is, it was my great honor to serve as U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania in your administration. You asked me to prioritize public safety, and that is exactly what I did. While Larry Krasner, the radical leftist prop Philadelphia District Attorney, was letting violent criminals go and refusing to prosecute rioters, looters, and arsonists, our office was putting them in jail and standing up for law-abiding citizens. In the spring of 2020, I prosecuted and won an election fraud case against a judge of elections in South Philadelphia who was stuffing the ballot box. I also charged the political consultant, a former Democrat congressman, who was paying bribes to the judge who stuffed the ballot box. President Trump, you were right to be upset about the way the Democrats ran the 2020 election in Pennsylvania. It was a partisan disgrace. The governor, the secretary of the Commonwealth, and the partisan state Supreme Court made up their own rules and did not follow the law. 
Even worse, the state attorney general, Josh Shapiro, the very person responsible for the enforcement of the state election law, declared days before election day that you could not win the election. It would be hard to imagine a more irresponsible statement by a law enforcement officer, especially during a hotly contested election. In light of such statements, it is hardly surprising that many Pennsylvanians lack faith in our state's election results. On election day and afterwards, our office received various allegations of voter fraud and election irregularities. As part of my responsibilities as United States Attorney, I wanted to be transparent with the public and, of course, investigate fully and any allegations. Attorney General Barr, however, instructed me not to make any public statements or put out any press releases regarding possible election irregularities. I was also given a directive to pass along serious allegations to the state attorney general for investigation. The same state attorney general who had already declared that you could not win. I disagreed with that decision, but those were my orders. As a Marine infantry officer, I was trained to follow the chain of command and to respect the orders of my superiors, even when I disagree with them. Mr. President, public service is in my blood, and I would like to serve the people of Pennsylvania and restore conservative leadership to our state. I will be the Republican candidate for governor with the best chance to win uh, the general election in November 2022. Based on my background and experience, I'm uniquely positioned to defeat Mr. Shapiro, the likely Democrat candidate, and would welcome the chance to discuss this with you in person. I would be honored to have your support. I thought I would throw that in there, ladies and gentlemen, since uh, he did, obviously, um, Pass this information along to President Trump. Okay, now this is from June or August of 2021, ladies and gentlemen. I have not been a fan of Bill Barr since December 2020. That's officially when I hung up my coat for Bill Barr. Okay, so this this is just a preface, ladies and gentlemen. This is just a preface. Let's talk about this man here. This is Jesse Morgan, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Jesse Morgan was a whistleblower in Pennsylvania and New York, technically, during the 2020 election. Now, the story of Jesse Morgan goes like this. He was a hired contract worker for the United States Postal Service, and he was to deliver packages from New York to Pennsylvania. Something occurred along that journey where he realized that the packages he was delivering contained thousands of pre-printed ballots, ladies and gentlemen. And this brave man blew the whistle. Anyhow, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's catch up with the story um, with this article from uh, the Epoch Times here real quick. And uh, yeah, let's do that real quick. So it says uh, up to 280,000 ballots disappeared after trip to Pennsylvania from New York. Again, the Amistad Project is involved in this case. 
Now it says as many as 288,000 ballots for the 2020 U.S. elections disappeared in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, after being transported by truck from New York, according to Phil Klein, the director of the legal group Thomas More Society's Amistad Project. Klein, a former district attorney and Kansas attorney general, said he received evidence that between 130,000 to 280,000 completed ballots for the 2020 general election had been shipped from Bethpage, New York, before the ballots and the trailer in which they were shipped disappeared on October 21st. Klein cited statements from a United States Postal Service subcontractor whom he described as a whistleblower. Klein also asserted in a statement that Postal Service workers were engaged in widespread illegal efforts to influence the election. At least one whistleblower said that they transported thousands of pre-filled ballots across state lines, which, if true, would be a federal crime. His group made an estimate of the number of ballots that disappeared. Klein said that the group will share the information with law enforcement, including the FBI, U.S. attorneys in other areas, and local prosecutors who are aware of the evidence. The man identified by Klein as the whistleblower, Jesse Morgan, a truck driver for the United States Postal Service subcontractor, said at the news conference that he was driving a truck filled with up to 288,000 ballots on October 21. The truck and ballots disappeared from the United States Postal Service depot in Lancaster after he dropped it off there, he said. Well, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, this happened so long ago, I went ahead and dug up the press conference where Jesse Morgan spoke. In case anybody out there missed it, because we know there was a lot going on in 2020 right after the elections all the way up until January 6th and then January 20th, our heads were spinning. So we might have missed this. So I thought we would go ahead and air it tonight uh, just so we can archive the words of this whistleblower. And then we got some more news about him coming up right after this. So uh, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com and be sure to follow us on our social medias truth social rumble twitch clout hub and pill.net so um in total i saw 24 gaylords or large cardboard containers of ballots loaded into my trailer these gaylords contain plastic trays i call them totes but trays will work, of ballots stacked on top of each other. All the envelopes were the same size. I could see the envelopes had handwritten addresses, return addresses, and I could even tell that one, of, that one was marked registered mail. That one was off to the side, all right? <clears throat> they were complete ballots. I didn't, I didn't think much of it at the time. 
at Bethpage, I was first loaded with two tall Gaylords. So picture that thing there or, or this little representation here, but this tall, all right? So I was loaded with two tall Gaylords, okay? And uh, that were, hold on, where was I at? They had uh, mixed mail pieces bound for Lancaster. These Gaylords were loaded first because they would be the last off my trailer. The remainder of the truck was loaded with complete ballots bounded for Harrisburg. I then drove to Harrisburg with the ballots. Usually I offload in one of the seven docks every day, but not on October 21st. I wasn't allowed to offload. That's different. Whenever I pull in the Harrisburg, I go around and I get my dock and I get unloaded and then I roll out. Not that day, all right? Not that day. Instead, I was made to wait for roughly six hours in the yard from 9.15 a.m. to 3 p.m. This really ticked me off, all right? because my brother was in town, he just moved back up, and I wanted to spend some time with him. I tried to get the attention of postal workers, but no one would tell me what's going on. All of this was weird. I arrived at, the, at, uh, I arrived at about the same time every day. The expediter scans all my seals and barcodes and they they unload me, but for the first time, or but or but but from the time I first arrived in Harrisburg from Bethpage, everything got weird. None of that happened. After waiting six hours, I went inside to figure out what's going on. I was told to wait for the transportation supervisor. This was also weird. Sixteen months I've been doing this. I haven't ever talked to the transportation supervisor for the United States Postal Service. I talk to an expediter. I come in, I see an expediter, that's who I deal with. If I have an issue, it's the expediter. I don't deal with anyone else but the expediter. I never, never talk to the United States Postal Service's transportation supervisor. Let's make that clear. I have my own transportation supervisor for the company that I work for. He's the one that gives me the details. He's the one that I listen to, I don't listen to this guy. He's the guy that would contact my boss if he needed something ran different. <clears throat> I've never spoken with this transportation supervisor from the United States Postal Service. They don't speak to people like me. He's a top guy. He's the kind of guy that would speak to my boss, not a trucker like me. The supervisor told me to drive to, uh, told me to drive to Lancaster without being unloaded in Harrisburg. This made no sense to me. I knew the ballots were loaded for Harrisburg, and that if I was to go to Lancaster, they would have to off unload my ball or those pallets in Lancaster to take off Lancaster stuff to put the ballots back on the trailer to send them back to Harrisburg. Doesn't make no sense.
this was a real screw up in my my thinking. I wanted I wanted my ticket. So whenever I go to a place, I and I when I go there and whenever I'll leave, I'll get a ticket. I'll get a ticket, a slip, whatever you want to call it. It's the date time that I'm supposed to be there. It'll have my trailer number on it. It'll have um, how much I'm loaded. It'll have the seal number. It has my name. It'll have who, who was the expediter. So I wanted my, my, my ticket, my slip. I call them tickets. Some people call them slips, okay? Um, and then because I was there for six hours, I wanted my late slip too because I wanted to be pay paid for sitting in that yard for six hours. So um, <clears throat> I wanted the ticket and the late slip for stopping in at Harrisburg. Also, I wanted it because if they tell me to take this load to Lancaster, I don't want to pull up the Lancaster of Harrisburg crap and be like, yeah, they just told me to be or come here and not have no, no ticket because they don't look like I just came straight here, you know? just to prove that I was there. And so others would know I wasn't the person that screwed this up. A ticket is always provided to a driver when they arrive at a, U a United States Postal Service facility. It proves you were there. The transportation supervisor refused to give me a ticket and told me to leave. I then demanded he give me a late slip since I wanted to get paid for the time I was sitting there and waiting and waiting for them to offload me. He refused to give me that too. He was kind of rude and wouldn't explain anything to me. He just told me to go to Lancaster. I then drove to Lancaster, unhooked my trailer in its normal place, and then drove my truck to where I always park it in a nearby lot, and then I went home. The next day, it just got weirder. As I arrived at Lancaster, at Lancaster's United States Postal Service facility with my tractor, I went to hook up to my trailer, and my trailer was gone, not there no more. 10R 1440. Since I started driving that Bethpage route, I've always had trailer 10R 1440. I like that trailer. It was a nice trailer. I know you guys probably don't really know nothing about truck driving or trailers or anything, but the rear tandems had a, with your driving light, the rear tandems will actually, the front axle will actually go up. Um, nice air ride. The, garage, the doors on it, were, it worked great. Some of the trailers that place has, you could honestly put it on the back of a carrier and drop it off in the middle of the ocean and no one would worry about it. So that trailer I really liked, okay? Um, what happened on October 21st was a series of unusual events that cannot be a coincidence. I know I saw ballots with return addresses filled out, thousands of them, thousands. Loaded onto my trailer in New York and headed for Pennsylvania. 
At first, I didn't think it was a big deal. In fact, I thought it was really awesome. I was, I really did. I was like, sweet, I'm doing something for the presidential race. You know, this is cool. <clears throat> but as things became weirder, I got to thinking and wondered why I was driving complete ballots from New York to Pennsylvania. I didn't know I didn't know why, so I decided to speak up. And that's what I'm doing today. Thank you. The story of uh, this gentleman here, uh, Jesse Morgan, goes, it, it's a real story. He's a real guy, okay? He's not a public speaker. You know, he, he doesn't have that power, pitch, and pace, etc. Uh, he's just telling it like it is, ladies and gentlemen. So... With that said, that is the story of Jesse Klein and Jesse Klein. Sorry, Klein is a representative. That is the story of Jesse Morgan, a contractor to United States Postal Service delivering ballots from New York to Pennsylvania. Fully, fully, fully filled out. For the presidential elections, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, hey, Two Rivers, what's up? Two Rivers says, and that's what William Barr protected? No, no. William Barr did not protect this man, Mr. Two Rivers. This is a whistleblower, right? You would think that he would get the same protection that most whistleblowers receive whenever they decide to blow the whistle so to speak. But uh, as, uh, as the story happens, William Barr did not receive protection. I mean, sorry, Jesse Morgan did not receive protection from William Barr. Ladies and gentlemen, William Barr was involved in a lot more shenanigans than just the obviously, guys. Obviously. We just read McSwain's letter regarding William Barr's orders to him. And that was all election investigations to go to a district uh, to go to an attorney general for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that had already declared win, uh, Trump could not win. Here's where the rest of the Jesse Morgan story continues. It says here that uh, former attorney general Barr stopped investigations into trailer load of 288,000 ballots into Pennsylvania from New York in the 2020 election, Barr refused to provide whistleblower protection, and now the United States Post Office, or Postal Service, will not provide an investigation report into what happened. Two Rivers says, I mean, uh, William Barr protected the cheated votes. Yes, and that's not the only thing, though. I don't know. Your, your, your capitalized letters there, Two Rivers, makes me think that. And that is what he... Prov oh, that's all he did? That's the reason why you don't trust William Barr? Anyways, that's what I think whenever... Because you're yelling at me, man. Anyway. <laughs> don't you know capitalized letters means you're yelling? Okay. All right. So let's, check, let's take a look at this article. And uh, we're almost done, guys. 
I, I, I'm sorry to say I don't think we're going to make it to the documentary, but we are almost done. It says, uh, sometimes there are too many uncertainties and obvious red flags for an issue to go unnoticed. This is one of those times. Truck driver Jesse Morgan moved mail from the United States Postal Service and came out after the election and shared his story of how he hauled tens of thousands of ballots from New York to Pennsylvania before the 2020 election. We reported on this in December. This is uh, the Gateway Pundit. They reported it on uh, on in December 2020. We reported on William Barr and McSwain back in like July or August. Anyways, we learned in the summer of 2021, right, that U.S. Attorney uh, uh, General Bill Barr ordered U.S. Attorney in Eastern Pennsylvania to stop investigating 2020 elections, right? Okay, we'll skip all past that because we know this. Now it says here, this past week, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer discussed the, the Jesse Morgan story and the work he and others performed to vet the story after the 2020 election. Schaefer said that after his team fully vetted Morgan, he decided to move forward with the story. He contacted, he contacted his friends in law enforcement to get them on board with further investigating the matter. When former Attorney General Bill Barr heard the news, he called Tony, screamed at him, and told Tony to stop his investigation. Barr claimed it interfered with an FBI investigation. Tony was shortly thereafter removed from the investigation. Tony Schaefer, Lieutenant Colonel, explained that he wanted to give Mr. Morgan whistleblower status, but Barr would not hear it. Schaefer shared this with us. And it says, uh, all right, yeah, with a gateway pundit. So this is what Tony Schaefer said. And I would argue that Bill Barr broke the law by refusing to accept that as a premise of him going in to the FBI to discuss what he saw and knows. So the next thing you know, I'm going off the investigation. Morgan is turned over and he goes away, never to be heard from again. We next heard the following day in an interview with attorney Tom King in Pennsylvania that the investigation into this issue was moved to the United States Postal Service since the event included United States mail. In our article, attorney King, Tom King reported on the current status of this matter King says that he was made aware of Jesse Morgan after the 2020 election. And this is what Tom King had to say. I was involved in that case and and we worked directly with the U.S. attorney, Bill McSwain, who is now a candidate for governor. We got the truck driver over to the FBI offices in D.C. And to date, we we have met nothing but resistance from the postal authorities to release the report done by the postal police and the FBI. We're close to getting it, but that's still unresolved as I speak to you today. We not only cooperated fully, but I spoke on numerous occasions with Bill McSwain, the state's attorney appointed by President Trump for the eastern portion of Pennsylvania. So at this point, I, I I I would hasten to say that Jesse Morgan is lucky to still be above ground and the people over at the United States Postal Service be damned for hiding this information. So, I don't know about you guys, but that's just another reason to not trust this man, Bill Barr. And uh, 
I just don't. Maybe I'll be surprised later on. There's always redemption, you know. But uh, at this point, he seems to have done a lot more harm than good, ladies and gentlemen. And that brings us to our final story for tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we have, as it appears, Georgia Democrats being implicated in the ballot trafficking scheme that has rocked the state of Georgia and Wisconsin. And do I need to say it, ladies and gentlemen, but I told you, I told you that there would be Democrat offices or agencies or non-governmental organizations that would be implicated in the ballot trafficking scheme. Now, of course, we're talking about the ballot trafficking scheme that was busted wide open by Catherine Engelbrecht and True the Vote as they are serving up their evidence by way of geolocation pinging, tracking, and uh, data crunching on the ballot traffickers on the move in these states, okay? Now, I'm surprised that uh, the state of Pennsylvania had that information regarding uh, the ballot traffickers because True the Vote was not involved with that. But they already had some evidence. So you can imagine if Catherine Engelbrook actually has data on ballot trafficking in the state of Pennsylvania, and she's going to serve that up to uh, Lehigh District Attorney Jim Martin, and she's going to be like, oh, well, you didn't want to, you did not want to observe the rule of law because it's unfair to the few that are identified by the many who are not. Here's the data. Lock them up. That's what I say. I'm going to have to go back to True the Vote's website and find out if they have that information. Because she said they had five states worth of information. We know three of them, Georgia, Wisconsin, and, and Texas. So we need to go ahead and see if that is going to be the case with uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, or uh, who else? Arizona, right? I think, I think maybe those are the possible other states that they might have that data for. But I told you, it would be, it would happen, guys. It would happen. And this is the beautiful part. If these ballot traffickers were stopping by, oh, I don't know, some Democrat's office or some Democrat-related NGO or 501c3, that from there, they can get this investigation to move into, maybe it goes up higher. Maybe it's not just, ah, old stinky Stacey Abrams, right? Don't stand behind Stacey Abrams on a hot day. You're going to be in for quite the floof, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, But um, it could go higher than that. And, you know, in this case, I think that Stacey Abrams has finally met her match. She cannot prevail in the face of a ballot trafficking buffet, ladies and gentlemen. Golden Corral be damned. <laughs> but Stacey Abrams can take Golden Corral out any day, ladies and gentlemen. But when it comes to ballot trafficking, this woman might be in trouble. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Uh, real quick, uh, Slug Trail, thank you for donating the cookie. I saw that up there. I apologize. It took me so long to acknowledge. 123SKG, thank you for the can. And Tam Growl, thank you for pushing the can this way. Much appreciated. Now, let's talk about this story so we can wrap this up for tonight, guys. This is an exclusive. This is also another exclusive to the Gateway Pundit. Democrats implicated... Georgia ballot traffickers were using Democrat officials' offices as stopping points during ballot drop runs. I told you guys last week, I was like, just watch, just watch. Because of their tracking these ballot traffickers by their geolocation, you know they stopped by some 501c3, some Democrat officials' office, someone related to the Democrat Party. And let's see how high up this goes, okay? Let's see how high up this goes. All right, so we're super excited, ladies and gentlemen, here at the Sea Report. We'll be popping open a bottle of champagne for our little victory here later on. Now it says, uh, let's, let's just bring this up real quick. Uh, okay, so we already know about Dinesh D'Souza's 2,000 mules. We already know about True the Vote and their efforts that they have been putting into uh, this ballot trafficking investigation. Uh, the Gateway Pundit and 100% Fed Up worked together with True the Vote to get exclusivity rights on all of this uh, uh, dissemination of this information, I guess you could say. Okay, so it says here uh, that on Sunday... Uh, Turning Point USA founder and President Charlie Kirk was in St. Louis and joined Joe Hoft of the Gateway Pundit and Real Talk 93.3 to discuss the 2020 presidential election. And actually, this is where we get our information drop, ladies and gentlemen. So why waste your time hearing me read about it? When we can listen to Joe Hoft of the Gateway Pundit and uh, Charlie Kirk. Uh, oh, hey, Nick Fuentes, you want to see someone that really does something for America first? Charlie Kirk. All right. OK, that's all I got to say about that. Anyways, uh, let's go ahead and listen to this. Real, this is where we get this is where we get the 411, ladies and gentlemen. OK, this is where we get the 411. And uh, Charlie Kirk is talking with uh, Joe Hoft about the Dinesh D'Souza film that's soon to be released called 2000 Mules. And, uh, well, let's just hear what he has to say, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, good afternoon. This is Joe Hoft with the Real Talk Radio Network from the Joe Hoft Show. And I'm thrilled and honored to have with me uh, my guest, Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA. Charlie, welcome. Great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, great. In studio. And so, so, so happy to see you again. I, we met a couple of years ago right. at an event here in St. Louis with a bunch of great speakers. I saw you. They had a huge tent outside the Marriott just for you. <laughs> I remember. Well, and uh, you were working in Hong Kong at the time. Yeah, that's right. And uh, since then, I moved back. And I'm working full time with my brother, Jim. He says hi, by the way. He's terrific. And yeah, he's done an incredible job. The Gateway Pundit's just grown. I mentioned earlier to Had you. the courage to cover stories others don't. Well, that's it. Yeah, we've, uh, we, we immediately came out after the election. That's what I was kind of sharing here offline for a moment. So my background's in auditing. I've done 200 or so audits around the world, cur- you know, currencies, languages, et cetera, fraud, finance, operations, all sorts of stuff I've looked at from, a, from, a, from both done the audits and looked mm-hmm. at from an executive position. Never seen anything like this, Charlie. And, and the thing that really hits me this past week is how Bill Barr turned the other way. He had a, a huge responsibility to get to the bottom of this, to stop the fraud as it was occurring, mm-hmm. like in Philadelphia and, right. and, and across around Phoenix, the, where I live, too. 
Yeah. Yeah. Phoenix, Detroit, all these places Atlanta. where people we weren't allowed to go in and watch. That's right. And that's one part of it. The other part of it is what happened the 30 days leading up, which is Dinesh, I think, has done a phenomenal job of putting that together. Yeah. Um, the movie 2000 Mules, I'm in the movie. And that's just one part of it. And I think it's an important part. The ballot trafficking, Zuckerberg money, unregulated ballots, who is counting the ballots, where did they come from, ballot mule laundering. That, in my opinion, is one of the easier to prove of all of them. And because you have the surveillance video that you'll see in Dinesh's upcoming movie, 2000 Mules, where people are coming out of the car at 3.30 in the morning with piles of ballots. Mm -hmm. Illegal. You cannot do that in Georgia. Stuffing them in to ballot boxes funded by Mark Zuckerberg. Yes, crazy. Yeah, I believe in Georgia you're allowed to to basically handle your own ballot, period. And a close relative if they can't turn it in themselves. That's it. But and not a bucket load. No, not a bucket load. At three, and by the way, coming night after night after night. Same guys. Same guys, and they're wearing latex gloves on camera. Yeah. After they put the ballots in the drop box, they take off the latex gloves because they don't want fingerprints on the ballots, and they take pictures of every ballot. And you'll see this video footage. I, I had a six-hour briefing with Dinesh D'Souza, mm. and I saw all the evidence for myself. I was really skeptical at first, and we di- we dove into it. And I was blown away mm-hmm. at how the, the sophisticated technology they use to be able to track these people using cell phone technology because your cell phone's mm-hmm. letting off a ping every three to five seconds. You can go buy those pings over certain geographic areas mm-hmm. going back in a specific period of time. They bought all the pings in Atlanta and in Philadelphia and in Phoenix, Detroit, and Milwaukee in the early voting period. And they, they, really, they kind of shrank the universe and saw, they said, okay, ballot drop boxes who visited multiple times. And they saw that some of these mules would visit these drop boxes every night mm-hmm. and then go to Stacey Abrams headquarters and then go back to the drop boxes. Mm. And so this is a um, this is a criminal conspiracy. Oh, I think it is. And it should have been addressed uh, how, how long ago, really. I mean, that's the thing. That's exactly. You know, we I talked last week with Tony Schaefer. I think you probably know Tony. Mm-hmm. He used to be yeah, on Fox quite a bit, as well as um, this attorney, Tom King in Pennsylvania. So Tony shared this whole story how there was a truck driver with a bunch of yeah, ballots right. in the semi. Well, he started in Michigan, mm. and then he. This might be a different. Th- one. Maybe a different one. Yeah. But there's. So go ahead. I didn't mean to no, interrupt. No, that's that's fine. I think. Anyways, this truck driver, his name is Jesse Morgan, drove across from New York to Pennsylvania. No, you're right. That's the whole story. I, I know which one you're talking. Yep. about. And he didn't know what he was carrying. No. At the time, he just it didn't think anything of it until he got some paperwork messed up, right? Yeah. And then he went into the back. He realized there was a bunch of ballots. Yeah. And, and then they told him to park his trailer that That's he'd been right. using for months in this one parking lot. The next morning he goes there, his trailer's gone. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't say anything till after the election. And then, he, and then that's when Tony and others, the Republican Party in, in Pennsylvania, got into it. Tony got involved, and he shared how they, put, they vetted everything, vetted this guy for three weeks, make sure this is all legit, went to Bill Barr. Tony actually called Ed Meese, wow. who's his mentor, Jeez. to get a hold of Bill Barr. He does. Within 10 minutes, Bill Barr calls Tony. This is We put this up last week, this interview. Tony says Bill Barr calls him up and screams at him and tells him, where is this guy we want to know? Tony's trying to get this guy whistleblower status. And Bill Barr not only ignores that, but demands to know where this guy's at and demands that Tony stop his investigation into this. Now, remember we had also a report come from the U.S. Um, attorney, or one of the U.S. Uh, attorneys in that area and he wrote trump and said hey i was told to stop an investigation there mm-hmm. and this was it 
And so, and now the Postal Service wrote up the report, and they won't turn it over. And so there's just another, that, that's today's news. And, and there, <laughs> that's just one state and one area, and then we have, there's, uh, there's whispers of mass looming indictments coming out of Yuma, Arizona, of very similar behavior. I don't know if you've heard this or not. Mm. Whistleblower saying that she was paid to drop off ballots in the middle of the night at drop boxes outside of libraries where there are no cameras. I don't know if you heard about that one. No, no. So I'm really close on the ground in the Arizona right. stuff. I live in Arizona, right. so I'm right. really into it. But this is everywhere. Yeah. And so, and then the new revelations from True the Vote, Greg Phillips and Catherine Engelbrecht, you guys have been yeah. covering it really extensively at Gateway Pundit. And so we have to be relentless. We can't turn a blind eye to this. The Republican establishment wants to move on. Yeah. I think we have to stay continually factual and precise because I think that there's some left-wing groups trying to put things that aren't true at times in this conversation Absolutely. and try to discredit us. So we Absolutely. have to be unafraid to say, I don't know about that, but like when you have sworn testimony, when you have truck drivers, when you have purchase orders, right. you got to look into these things. And Absolutely. So I'm really, I'm really disgusted with Republicans mm-hmm. that are telling us to move on from this. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in the corporate world, and I've shared this uh, before, it, as a corporate auditor, if there's any instance of fraud, whether it be a dollar or $5 million, you've got to go to the audit committee of the board of directors with this and, and say what happened and how it's been fixed. It's, it's in our audit charters. The fact that Bill Barr looked, looked the other way mm-hmm. when not just $1 worth of fraud, thousands of ballots worth of fraud. That's right. It really, it's really hit me a lot this past week how he was so instrumental to this election steal. And, and But there's another layer to that, which is also Raffensperger and these state-based agencies, too, that are supposed to be looking into these things, right? Nowhere to be found. No, no, same, yeah, across the board, across the board. It's been really shocking. And uh, I really think, you know, you hear Steve Bannon say, and you've been on Bannon's show, and how he says, yeah, I love, we love Bannon's show. He has a lot of courage. Oh, and he says a stolen, or an election loss is something, but a stolen electric election losses has special consequences yeah catastrophic well and i i just want to reiterate this though which is you know the base of the republican party which i spent a lot of time with they feel as if a massive civilizational injustice was done to them and they're right they feel as if that they do everything they're supposed to do they pay their taxes they raise their kids they obey traffic laws and yet their country their beloved home was taken from them in the middle of the night and that should make your blood boil that should make you angry. I mean, we in our soul have a programming towards justice. And when we see this happen, and then we see the result of this of the injustice, right? Yeah. So for example, it'd be one thing, you know, your bank gets stolen. Okay, it's insured. That's that's an injustice. Find the guy, get them there. But if the bank gets stolen and then all of a sudden you have no money for the rest of your life, the analogy I'm using is look at the damage it's being done yeah. to our country because Absolutely. of this. I mean, at every issue. And so we look at Joe Biden and we say, man, that, was, that guy was implemented. He wasn't elected. No, he can't. He couldn't get out of the basement. Remember that? I kept track of rallies before the, before the election. Less than 2,000 people at all of Biden's rallies from uh, Labor yeah. Day to Election Day. Trump had 1.1 million. And that's just <laughs> one, not to mention the small-dollar donation support and all that. And so, um, so look, I, I hope Republicans are going to do something about Me this. Too. I think they're, and their base does. And the if they base don't, is demanding it. That's oh, for sure. absolutely. So, so um, what's going on with Turning Point USA? We're doing really well. Um, obviously, we're really focused on students and young. Uh, okay, guys. Awesomeness. All right. In interest of time, we're not going to finish that conversation because, uh, well, we got what we wanted, ladies and gentlemen. 
And, uh, you know, I was like wondering kind of like, was Charlie Kirk supposed to say Stacey Abrams, the big mama herself, was over there in uh, Washington, I mean, in uh, Georgia? Part of this ballot trafficking uh, scandal. And really, guys, the big question for me here would be this. Is Stacey Abrams really that stupid to have ballot traffickers running to her show? I mean, running to her show, running to her office to pick up more ballots. Is she really that dumb? Ladies and gentlemen, thank goodness for modern technology. It is as much a pain in the tuchus as it could be a blessing. Ladies and gentlemen, that's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, so there was another, uh, there was, a, I think, a, a closing piece to that um, about, uh, about basically the Gateway Pundit contacted True the Vote and was kind of like, hey, can you confirm or deny whether or not Democrats are uh, implicated in this? Uh, can you affirm or deny whether or not, uh, you know, Stacey Abrams is implicated in this and true the vote told the Gateway Pundit. While we cannot confirm the involvement of Democrats or any Democrat-related organizations, we can confirm that the addresses you have supplied in regard to your question are the accurate addresses. (laughs) Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. And there you go. Doubts again on the B2 bomber here. B2 bomber Bill Barr busted being a bad guy, behaving badly. B2 bomber Billiam Barr, the Belugawell big booby boy, not doing his jab and behaving badly. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, that takes us to the final piece for tonight. It's not we're we're not going to be long on this one. There is a brand new documentary out called Rigged, the Zuckerberg funded plot to defeat Donald Trump. Okay, so it's coming at them from all angles, ladies and gentlemen. It's almost like uh, it's almost like a medieval Iron Maiden, right? Like they're standing there and then whoosh, it's just going to get them on all sides. If you know what I mean, let's talk a little bit about this documentary, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, this is the documentary that I was going to share with you guys tonight. But in the interest of time and my own sanity, uh, we probably will not get to it tonight. Um, I foresee in the very near future a watch party. I don't know. I mean, we could maybe. No, 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 no. I got to get ready for the next show. Okay, uh, let's just check it out real quick. Right here, it says, uh, new documentary shows how an Obama-tied dark money uh, group used Zuckerberg's cash to swing elections. What if the 2020 election was rigged in plain sight and through entirely legal means using $400 million from Mark Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla Chan through the Chan-Zuckerberg Initiative, CZI? The bombshell upcoming documentary Rigged from Citizens United Productions explains how this big tech power couple contributed hundreds of millions of dollars to a pair of nonprofit organizations through CZI. The nonprofits in turn spent the money on a Democrat focused get out the vote effort, all under the guise of pandemic election safety. 
Rigged starts by recounting big tech roles in the last two elections, starting with 2016, when Donald Trump, harnessing the power of social media, shocked the world by flipping the states of Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania to pull off an upset against Hillary Clinton. By the time of Trump's inauguration, Mark Zuckerberg had come under tremendous fire from the Democrat elite over Facebook's perceived failure to censor content seen as favorable to the Trump campaign. But four years later, lo and behold, the coronavirus pandemic would give Zuckerberg a clear shot at redemption. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to read the rest of this article to you because we're going to watch the movie. Maybe not tonight. Maybe not after. This is news. The Speak on Easy's show on This is News. But probably tomorrow. So uh, be with us tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to broadcast the brand new documentary rigged right here at Mr. CTV. Um, You got to pay for it if you want to watch it, ladies and gentlemen. And guess what? You guys are worth it. So we're going to watch that uh, probably tomorrow. It's just under an hour, guys. We would do it right now. But I got to get ready for the next show, you know, and uh, I still got to prep my articles for that show. So I apologize. It's been a busy Thursday. But join us tomorrow. I think we'll probably air it around 12 or 1 p.m. Central Time, latest 2 p.m. Central, because I still got to work on my show for the night for the C Report. So that's what we're going to do. I went ahead and secured a uh, copy of the movie. I think it'll be a very good thing to watch. Now, one thing that I did catch from that Charlie uh, Charlie Kirk interview there with uh, Joe Hoft of the Gateway Pundit, um, Charlie Kirk, ver- he confirmed for me, okay, he confirmed for me that True the Vote has data for Michigan, haha, and True the Vote has data for Arizona, and I know they have data for Texas, Georgia, Wisconsin. There's your five. She said in, uh, she said in one of her uh, articles that uh, they had election data, the geolocation data for five states. Okay. So we know it's Texas, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia, ladies and gentlemen. So guess what? We're probably going to be seeing True the Vote and Catherine Engelbrook in Arizona and in Pennsylvania. Oh, no, not Pennsylvania. And in Michigan. And this is only going to make that victory more sweet for the hardworking patriots and those hardworking brothers and sisters of our country who have been moving the needle forward on election integrity. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there we go. That's the C-Report for today. That's about it. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys had a great time with us today. hope you guys enjoy the new studio, right? This is, this is how we'll be broadcasting from now on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the C-Report, had to, I, had to, I was forced to do an update since this update you know, ruined my uh, shenanigans with uh, XSplit and stuff. Please make sure to follow us over at Rumble. If you have the Rumble app on your telephone and you are following us at Rumble or subscribe to us, do us a favor, scroll down that list of videos and hit that thumbs up button, ladies and gentlemen. 
Give us some more visibility. The more you do that, the more that these shows and broadcasts can get out. And I will get to work on doing some clips. So this way they're like tiny digestible nuggets, maybe not necessarily two to three hours worth of Mr. C just talking in your face. And uh, make sure you stop by thecreport.com. You can check out more information on the show. You can check out all of our listings. You can go shop our merchandise if you want to support the store that way. Uh, As soon as I get some samples in, guys, I will be showing to you some of the digs that we have here. We've already ordered them, so they will be here hopefully before the end of the month. But uh, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap. We'll see you guys at 10 p.m. Central Time over at the Speak Uneasy channel for another episode of This Is News with myself, Mr. C, and the bartender. You can also check out the show over at Twitch. I believe uh, I believe the good old bartender um, broadcasts on Twitch as well, in case you're over there at Twitch. Uh, we'll also have it live and broadcasting on the Mr. CTV Rumble page. So if you are hanging out over there at Rumble, you can see the episode over at the Mr. CTV Rumble page. Hell, maybe we'll even show it on uh, Clout Hub tonight. And, uh, of course, ladies and gentlemen, at the foxhole.app and at pill.net, you can check out the Speak Uneasy channel yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because we will not be broadcasting this show on Mr. CTV, on foxhole, and on pill.net. That is for sure, ladies and gentlemen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have a great night. We'll see you again next time. And as always, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you next time. Till then, take care.